Okay, welcome to episode 63. What the fuck are you doing? You gave me the nod. That that was the, uh, are we recording nod? That Not was, the, you're the host of the podcast now. That was Do you the, know how little I have in my life, Brian? Do you know how few people I talk to on a daily basis? Do you know what a tiny modicum of control I have over my existence? It's fucking nothing. And hosting this podcast is the last bastion of my independence and self-worth. And you want to take that away from me? Yeah. So glad you're not on his side because I thought this was going to be like Brian's anime review where you're both doing this thing where suddenly Brian's the host and it would just be awful. Brian's anime, Brian's old school anime reviews does not make Brian the host of the podcast. It takes us all to a magical land where Brian leads us through an anime. Yeah, it's the most popular section of the podcast. So um, I had a panel recently. Uh, J-Con, which you were selling out as well, Neve. You met a bunch of fans. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. There was actually so many That's Why the Boss fans there. It was weird. There was more than Super Eyepatch Wolf fans. I that, don't. I don't... I really wish I was there now. I'm sorry I didn't go, everyone. I just... I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't there. I'm really sorry. Um, it was cool. It was like... I kind of felt like... I had never been in a situation where... I had like a mic on stage and that was frightening because no one like introduced me or anything. They were kind of just like, yeah, get on stage. And I was like, okay. And it was the kind of situation, you know, you've never done anything before and you're like, this is either going to work or I'm going to shit myself and die. Oh, <laughs> did you shit yourself and die? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. It was really fun. And um, I there was a bunch of Let's Fight a Boss listeners there and so if you're listening thanks for showing up because they put me at fucking like 10 a.m on a saturday and i was like yeah i was like no one's no one's gonna what kind of lunatic would turn up but thanks to everyone for coming for that and it was really it was really fun and like it's always it's always super cool to meet people yeah jaycon was good you have a good time at neve yeah it was a great con it was like their debut con yeah it's it's cool to have like a con back in Dolan again and and this is a fan run convention as opposed to a kind of more business yeah kind of one Mm, I the impression I got from talking to those guys is like they're they are tackling this with a business mind that's good yeah yeah and guys welcome to episode 63 yes of the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast, the world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with two of the biggest influencers this side of the internet. To my left, I have leader of a mysterious cult known only as the House of Smiles. It's BJ Downtown. Hey everyone, it's BJ Downtown, aka Belly Button. I have a Gold Pass Influencer badge. I can get into any nightclub in Vegas. And to my right, the queen of imagination and the king of pain. It's the explosive gay panic. It's Neve. Hi, everyone. <laughs> You're gay? I'm explosive? I'm, Whoa. I just, I just thought it's kind of it's frantic. There's an energy to it. I'm, 
Guys, let's jump straight into our section of the podcast that we don't have a name for because we just start talking about it. It's called the Quest Log. Yeah, the quest log. quest log. Okay, Jeez. awesome. Man. There's an actual genius to the structure that we won't get into, but it is called the Quest Log. <laughs> <laughs> there, 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 there is a narrative and each bit is that we're kind of collecting stuff to fight a boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that before we recorded episode one. Yeah. Role-playing. Role-playing, everybody. Neve. You watched Stranger Things? Yeah, I finished Stranger Things. And I felt like it was important to come back because where I was with the first six episodes is I liked it, but I was unhappy about parts of it. I think the second half gets really bad. Yeah. So I'm kind of left just kind of cold with the whole thing. Um, I'm going to spoil some things because I really want to talk about one thing in particular. So if you want to skip spoilers, now's the time. Uh... There's a character death that I hated, that I absolutely hated and didn't think should be in it. Poor yeah. Bob. That, that was really shitty. Why? Like, like why? It was weak. That's why it anyone just, dies. It, like, it was this weird, get him out of the way so Joyce can be with... With Hopper. Hopper. That seems like what it was. And I thought Bob was such a nice character in it. It was like a nerd who was using his nerdy brain to solve the actual puzzle of the whole thing. I don't know. I felt like it just felt mean spirited in a Walking Dead kind of way. Yeah, he felt very disposable, and it's cool that they had Sean Astin because he was in the Goonies, and he and he like he was an '80s child actor, and that's where a lot of Stranger Things comes from. Mm. So, it, like, it was cool to see him in it, but it was super shitty to see him go. Yeah, once uh, there was just other stuff like uh, the the the, the uh, one where it's Eleven's story. Oh, yeah, episode seven. Okay, I have heard so much about episode seven and, like, how it's a shit show, but then some people love it. What's what, What's the deal with this episode? This is just a poor excuse for cosplay. That's all that episode is. It just introduces a bunch of different character designs that have no, like, backbone to them whatsoever. They're just lame. It's an excuse for bad cosplay. Like, they suck. Like, the character yeah. designs are lame. It's such a <laughs> rent-a-punk. Like, they're doing this thing where... Eleven meets her sister, and she's like a vagabond, homeless, like crook. And is her sister called Twelve? No, she's called Eight. Six. Oh yeah, Eight. Um, and she has this gang, but like they're so lame. Like there's this guy with a mohawk, and they just look so clean cut. And they're in their like secret den. That's this nice. Well, no, it's a warehouse with a bin. Yeah, but it's a warehouse, five. but it doesn't look like a warehouse. It's the most tasteful graffiti ever. Oh yeah, like it doesn't look. In any way real, it looks like such a... It looks like a music video for a breakdancing track where it is not real. They've just... It, it, it's fake set design. It's fake as shit. Right. It looks so lame that I felt embarrassed for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of felt like you were watching Heroes or something. Yeah. It was very cringy. Man, it was. I think I've said this before in the podcast, but like a couple of months ago, me and Michelle went back and watched like... The first episode, the first couple episodes of Heroes. <laughs> oh boy, that shit's ten years old. That man. does not hold up. Like because Heroes, you know, Heroes kind of came out just as TV was about to explode, and there's a very noticeable Heroes as a TV show. You know the way like a lot of the really like great TV shows, like they're comparable to film, like in pretty much every aspect. This is not. This is a forty-minute sitcom. With goofy superpowers. <laughs> I must rewatch Heroes. Oh, you should. 
It's so funny because my memory of it was everyone was so into it. And it was one of the first shows that I think I binged. I remember thinking it was like groundbreaking. Like, holy shit. And it, it was probably. Yeah. But you can only break the ground once. Save the cheerleaders, save the world. Oh my god. <laughs> it's real so str- lame. It's real strange. Yeah. What was the name of that guy from Ain't It Cool News? Harry Knowles. Do you, do you remember when all the shit was blowing up around about him? <laughs> and being like a sexual harasser and people were like oh his his hero's review was really good and then you go and read it and it is the most vile like misogynistic thing in the fucking world oh i'd never heard about him and then you sent me his reviews and holy crap i can't believe they were just put up there without comment like that was just did I, okay did I, did, I, did, I, did I tell you my harry and old story last time on the podcast i don't think so i don't think so i was at new york comic con it, it it was the same that we that same one that we were at in 2013 that was a fun trip. We went to New York Comic Con and Harry Knowles nearly ran over my foot in his wheelchair. <gasps> and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I was like, oh shit, I recognize him from like DVD special features. Oh, oh wow. But I didn't, know, so I didn't know he was in a wheelchair. So I, I thought it was a guy cosplaying as him because he looks really unique. His Blade 2 review literally starts with like, I bet Guillermo del Toro eats great pussy. Oh <laughs> my god. That guy knows fuck. how to fuck. <laughs> I love it when like overweight overweight white guys talk about how other overweight white guys can fuck. It's really cool. Anyway, Neve, Stranger Things. Um. <laughs> yeah, speak your white guys. It was it was disappointing. I fa- I felt it was disappointing. Uh, Steve was probably the most likable character in the entire thing. Yeah. I like Hopper and I like I like Bob and <clears throat> I don't know. It just it it felt way more. Like it, it had all the '80s cliches and none of the charm of the first season. Like it just felt cliched. It definitely had a bit of charm at the start, but it it faded away very quickly. When it's good, it's so good. But when it's bad, it's so bad it makes all the good parts kind of retroactively worse. It's like, oh, yeah. how is this the same show? Yeah, I, I've seen so much fan art of Steve. Yeah. I've seen one piece of fan art of 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 eleven episode with that gang. Yeah, I haven't seen any fan art of that. But I like so much of it think, is just. Do you think Steve episode seven is like a, it's an attempt to like get an, an, a spin off series? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, like they. I kind of want to watch it just because I'm curious. But I think it could be its own good series. It was just really out of place to put it in the middle, and it was nuts as well because it's in between an episode that just starts off like crazy. Like it's it it's in between a cliffhanger episode, so that makes it feel all the worse. Oh. Yeah, you're like, oh, why why did I have to watch this to get to this good action stuff? That sucks. Hunter Hunter, Hunter x Hunter did that all the fucking time. He'd be like, and now these two are gonna fight. But let's see what these guys are up to. No, no thanks. It's very frustrating. Except with Hunter x Hunter, by the end of the side episode, you'd be so invested that it would cut back to the other guys and he'd be like, what? No! Um, I really hated the stuff with Max and Eleven. Like, I don't understand why she just hated her for no reason, apart from the fact that she's a girl and for some reason... Like, just the That's way they it? paired... It, the last 20 minutes of that Neve, we, series was Any girl we tried to bring onto this podcast, you've just been so vindictive against. I just... When I see another woman, <laughs> all I just feel is hate, because what if she steals my mins? Grr. <laughs> mins. Not Brian. What the fuck? <laughs> you can take John. It's like, it's so weird. She's just being their friend and she just hates her. It's so, like, it's sad because, like, 
that just just let them be friends. They're just kids. They're they're they they probably have conflict there so that in season three they can have them become friends. It's such a lame conflict. Like the whole thing. Yeah. Everything is based around romance, and I thought it was just lame. I it- hope season three course corrects this. Yeah. Oh, what was cool is Little Will has an exorcist scene, and I thought that was pretty cool. I like how they just... Oh, I saw that. There's an exorcism. it was. Yeah, that was cool. Speaking of supernaturally tinged TV series with disappointing endings, I completed both American Horror Story Season 7 and Channel Zero. So I'll start with American Horror Story Season 7. I thought this was an interesting season. I thought it took some swings that I appreciated. I always, it's American Horror Story, so I never had like the feeling it was going to pay off in any meaningful way. But I guess it. I felt what I what I liked about it at the start is it really there was a character and like he pretty much just personified like angry white American. Like that was his whole deal. And like I don't like that character, but I thought it was like interesting that they were going there. But then in the end, they kind of just turn him into, like, an internet troll who, like, hates women. And that wasn't his character at all at the start. And then, like, it kind of takes what was interesting about it and brings it into, like, the most boring, mundane kind of territory. And there was good stuff. Like, some of the cult stuff was fun. And the guy who played Kai Anderson was good. Like, he was weird and he was charismatic and it was fun. And it was interesting but overall, it ended, and me and Michelle were just kind of like, hmm. Which is way better than what I'd say about Channel Zero. Really? So. You were pretty up on this the last time we spoke. I was hopeful. <laughs> okay. Because my pro- like the problem with that show is, like, it's only got, like, the, the, the scares going for it. The scares are cool. Nothing else is. I couldn't tell you a single thing about any one of those characters. And we stuck with it through, like, the entire six episodes. A six-episode series, and that was a slog. And I was so detached to it by the end that I fell asleep for the last 15 minutes of the last episode. And, like, Michelle turned around and was like, Oh, you were asleep. Do you want to go back and watch it? And I was like, No. (laughs) Aw. Yeah, it it sucks, because I'd really love, like, a really good, like, horror TV show. I think there's, there's there's such, like, fertile ground there, I feel like. But it's... They're only really getting made now, and they're getting made badly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there'll be more. There will be more. I hope so. I, I hope it's like a wave of new things, but... Um, I was really disappointed with this season of American Horror Story as well. It felt like they were trying to sell such a big story on such a small scale. And I appreciated the ambition. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely, I, I thought... I thought it was a lot better than last season because last season I just tapped out after like two episodes or something. But this one I was like, okay, okay. But yeah, they 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 were playing with some really big themes and they didn't do anything with them. Um, so yeah, that that was that's the conclusion to my t- my horror TV show saga. I hope some more come out. I hope they're good. Maybe I'll check out Channel Zero too. I hope it's a different like writer and director because who boy, Brian. Tell us about Mara Wilson. Is that is this one show or two? It's all one. Okay. It's um, it's it's an audiobook I'm listening to by an actress called Mara Wilson, but now she's a writer. That's what she's professionally known as. She played Matilda. You know her? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I started reading this book because Alana Blazer from Broad City recommended it. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're friends, and she's actually in an episode of Broad City as like an extra. It's really cute. Oh, she's in the episode of Broad City where they married the Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she she plays a waitress in it. <laughs> okay. It's really really clever. Is it a good book? Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, it's just her talking about being a child actor and growing up, and she's had some kind of tough tough times. But it's real weird because, like, you know how most child actor stories have really really sad endings. Mm-hmm. Hers is like happy start, a kind of a very relatable middle and. A happy ending because she's the same age as us oh, weird. Um, and she she would have grown up in the same kind of world as us online she was very big into live journal back in the uh, mid-2000s that's what I always think is like weird about our generation we have conscious memory before the internet exists and we were there for when it like exploded yeah so there is one bit in the book where where she talks about when she was like 14 15 and she googled herself and it no. really, really upset her. Yeah, I can speak from experience. That's a really bad idea. Yeah, um, and it's just that she thought she could do it there, there and then. And because she she did a lot of films in the mid-90s up until about the early 2000s. And then she kind of lost interest in child acting. And there was, um, and there was some stuff uh, happening in her family as well that kind of made her lose interest in it too. Mm. But she still loves drama. She still loves performing arts. She loves creativity. It's, it's I, I, I don't I don't want to go into too many specifics. But there are some great stories about working with Danny DeVito on Matilda, working with Robin Williams on Mrs. Doubtfire. I guess the movies will come out. Uh, yeah, like I, I think most of them are about twenty years old. Yeah. So they and have. She doesn't act anymore at all, does she? No. What does she do? She writes. She's a blogger. She's Twitter famous. Uh, but she's an excellent writer. It must be crazy to kind of change career while consistently in the public eye yeah yeah and people like constantly asked her like are you Matilda and she had to kind of come to terms with being Matilda and she loves Matilda loves that film oh does she? That's, that's cool and, and that film's a big deal to a lot of people so a lot of times she'll be on nights out she'll be on a night out and someone will like talk to her and like explain how important that film was to them growing up I haven't watched that film in years but I remember it being fucking deadly it's on Netflix yeah. I hate Matilda really? you, you don't like yeah, that film? no well, I love it I don't know something just didn't appeal to me about it when I was young it's kind of gross yeah I hate the scene where the, like, the choke is scary like all this shit's scary it's that's made, what's it's cool it, yeah it's yeah. made by Rodal like that's that's the way that's, he, yeah, he, that's he scares shit. kids I know but like you know when you watch a like movie when you're, like E.T. I thought e, like everyone fucking loves E.T. I thought E.T. was terrifying E.T.'s fucked up yeah. E.T.'s a fucked up movie and I think Matilda also gave me that kind of like creeped out feel so I don't like nothing in me was like oh yeah I can't wait to watch Matilda I, <laughs> I like the bit where she swings the girl around and throws her yeah, that's horrible. It's real funny because, like, for her talking about Matilda, she she like to her she never realized that she was like the main star in it, or if it, or if it did, really, it didn't really kind of like it didn't really affect her, it didn't really hit her that she was the main star. To her, she was just like, I'm in a movie, and there's loads of other child actors, and we all got to play. It's just that she had more dialogue than the rest of them. Aww. And um, she has a great relationship still with Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito seems like a delightful man. Where's Miss yeah. Honey? She was lovely. Mm-hmm. Miss Miss Honey and her are still very close. Really? Oh yeah, that's so cool. Because uh, she, she talks about OCD and uh, talks about her mental health and stuff like that. And some some of the cast members on that project, especially, kind of 
pointed her in the right direction. I think every gay girl in the world loves Miss Honey. Miss Honey is really fucking cool. Oh, really? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that the film is... So it stars Danny DeVito, but it's directed by Danny DeVito as well. And he's also the narrator. But it's a slightly different Danny DeVito voice for the narrator. <laughs> so it'll be like... Like, Matilda lives at home with her kids. And her dad's a real piece of work. And then it'll be like, Matilda, I don't like you. But it's just like, it's the narrator. But like, it seems like it's, 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 it's got a good Danny DeVito and a bad Danny DeVito. I remember watching the bit where he like, he uses the screwdriver to dial back the miles in the car. And as a kid, I was like, that's fucking genius. <laughs> oh no, I really felt Matilda's like distress. She's like, daddy, that's cheating. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're a crook. I know, I felt really bad for her. And he says the worst thing to her. He goes like, I'm big, you're small. Yeah. I'm smart, you're dumb. You're just some kid. Neve, you're like, you're like wincing. Oh, I just this I, film really, this film really. You no, know, Neve, Neve, it's a really good film. The fact that it's getting this yeah, this yeah. amount, like, it, it's such an important it's provoking movie. an emotional reaction. Yeah, I guess like I like the film. I just think the film is actually like, I mean, poor Matilda. It's, it's emotionally distressing. It, it, it's a very upsetting film. <laughs> it's how I feel about Mommy Dearest. Well, that's actually fucked up. Yeah, that yeah. that yeah, that's just that film. Fuck that. Yeah. You know how with, with yeah, like, I, I really do, do, do think that that it it's a kid's movie and it's got, like, loads of gags for the kids, but it's harrowing. Mm. Yeah. It's... Yeah, there's it's, some real shit in there. Yeah. I don't want to go in the chokey. No. No, no one wants to go in the chokey. <laughs> the bit where the kid eats the cake. That was so hard. I'd like... Oh, but he does it and then he raises the plate up. No, I know, and no. she smashes it over his head. No, but the then, whole thing is just terrible. I know, it's real funny because... What uh, was your name? The Trunchbull. The yeah. Trunchbull. Trunchbull, yeah. And um, she's played by an Australian woman. And she's fantastic. She's, yeah, she, she's, she's still so going. good. She's yeah. still going. Um, but I really don't like that bit because they bring out the cat, the, 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 the uh, lady who made the cake who works in the cafeteria. And she's kind of like a witch and she's all yeah. like slimy. And they're like, she put her own sweat and blood into this cake. Yeah. And I remember being in the cinema and like choking my popcorn because I was like, I don't want to eat old lady blood. I don't want that in my body. I remember the, is that the film with, the, there's like a box of chocolates that Matilda's not oh, yeah. allowed to eat? Not for children. And they just... They make them seem like the most delicious chocolates in the fucking world. She talks about the chocolates in the book. And she was like, she had to eat like 20 of them all in one go. And she was like nine. Oh, God. And they like kept like drooling and like, like she'd buy into one and the chocolate would go everywhere. And they had a spit bucket off camera that she kept <laughs> spitting the chocolate into. That's so cool. Wow. That sounds deadly, Brian. That sounds really good. Yeah, I, I really recommend it. It's, it's a great book. Yeah. And I'm listening to the audiobook, and she reads it out herself, and she's got a fantastic voice. I love oh, audiobooks. That's cool. Um, I'm listening to the Princess Diarist uh, book. The Star Wars lady. God damn it. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Fisher. 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 Yeah. I'm, I'm tired today. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. We all are. It, like... I really wanted to listen to it for a long time, but I was really sad after she died, so... It's I'm, nice to hear her speak. Oh. Oh, it's her reading yeah, it. Yeah, it's her reading it, so I was just like, oh. <laughs> but it's really, it's nice to hear her talk. Like, it's pretty general and pretty short. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, sometimes I like to go back and watch her old interviews, because she's, she's a lot of fun. Yeah, she's so she's so fun. And oh. she really knows how to p- put people in their, in their place. So, I watched Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big Marvel film guy. I just don't, I really don't like them. 
<laughs> for the most part. There's one. There's um, the only one I really enjoyed was Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought that was fun. Um, Thor Ragnarok is like maybe one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's directed by Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, and he's a really funny, weird director. Um, he did What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, both great films Hunt for the Wilder People in particular I just I fucking love I feel like that film is so funny and has so much heart and this is way more a Taika Waititi film than it is a Marvel film that's like, great yeah it's really it's just got such a great offbeat awkward sense of humour and it makes Thor so endearing because like Thor has a really rough time this movie. Like, there's so many bits where, like, he tries to do something cool and it just backfires and fucks up. And it's really, really funny, especially combined with, like, Chris Hemsworth. He has a really great natural, like, comedic timing. Like, he's just a funny guy. Like, if you saw him in Ghostbusters, he's, like, he's legitimately... He knows his way around comedy. Um, For the first half hour of the film, it it feels really awkward. Like, Mm -hmm. I... I was kind of sitting there being like, oh, I don't know about this, because it kind of feels like this really awkward mashup between, like, uh, T's kind of directorial style and a Marvel movie, and some of the jokes are a little more quippy. Mm. Yay. But, um, yeah. But when the film kind of hits its stride, it's so much fun. And, like, I, I laughed hard, like, many times during the movie. And um, The Incredible Hulk's in it. And he's really good, and they do something really interesting where they kind of, they make Hulk a character. As in, he's not just like a negative outcome for Bruce Banner, he's an actual character himself. And he's really fun as well. Um, Especially like, his kind of banter with Thor is very good. And then they also, the new bad guy I thought was good, she's not like, there's nothing too incredible in her writing or anything, she's kind of just... She's the evil one in this movie, but she's played by Kate Blanchett, I think. Yeah. Yep. And she's fantastic. She just has a shit ton of charisma. She comes across as like legitimately like dangerous and scary and like as an actual threat to Thor. Like you're like, yeah, yeah. she could she could beat the shit out of Thor. And um there's also a character from the comics, Valkyrie. And Valkyrie, at least the versions of her I've read from the comics, she's she's sexy titty Thor. Like that's what she is. And in the movie, uh, I can't remember the actor they got to play her, fuck, but she's so cool. She's just this, like, kind of angry, drunken, like, fight girl, and she's she's really, really good. Everyone was really good in the movie. It was just a really good movie. It was another Thor movie that kind of warmed me to Loki more. Oh, cool. Because I did not like Loki at all in the original movie. I just thought he was... Just really sniveling yeah, and boring. I don't get it at all. And then in Avengers, he was even worse. And then in Thor 2, I was like, yeah, he was a little more spring in his step in that one. He has some amazing bits in this movie. Like, there's, there, he has some really good lines where you're like, wow, okay. But, um, it just felt, it just, it was like his other movies. It just, it was offbeat and it was strange, but there was no cynicism in it. There was, it just, it kind of had heart. And that's what I really liked about it. And also, like, some... When you go to see a superhero movie, you want to see some good spectacle. There is some really good spectacle in this movie. Just some, like, really, like, large-scale action scenes that are fun. And I, yeah, I am so surprised with how much I enjoyed it. It was 
it was a blast and I don't you know I don't like superhero movies this was fucking class that's cool I can't wait to see it I really like that they've done the Jack Kirby stuff yeah um, the yeah. armor design and all the color in it is really nice to see hot colors yeah because yeah, Marvel's so desaturated and yeah. it's just like a sad rainy day sometimes so it's nice to see all the color and costuming yeah and they have fun with the music and stuff as well um, what I would say is that this film has a very specific sense of humor. If you're not on board with that sense of humor, it's not cringe humor, but it is kind of awkward, you know? And if that's not your thing, I could really see someone hating this movie. He's also directed a lot of Flight of the Concords. He's from that gang. Right. So it's that kind of humor as well. Yeah. It's just New Zealand awkward humor. Yeah, there's an alien rock man in this with a New Zealand accent, and that's it. Uh, he voices him. Yeah. 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 He's fucking hilarious. He's really, really funny. The line, piss off ghosts, made me laugh a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I... Did, are they making Tor, not Tor, the Hulk sexy in this? Um. Well, like, he is a big barra. Yeah, but I think they're setting him up to be sexier than he was in the last few movies, so he can, like... There's a part where he steps out of a bath... Sweet. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think like that's sexualized. Pretty much, pretty much anyone looks sexy stepping out of a bath. No, <laughs> no. I think I think it's, it's low lighting that would work for literally anyone. What about the woman in The Shining? She's great. Yeah. <laughs> what are you fucking scene. talking about? <laughs> Beautiful creature. Stand up gal. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend. God, that's bothered me now. Now that yeah. fucking woman's in my head. Walking slowly. I put her in my video just because I wanted to see if I could get away with it and I did sweet fuck you YouTube I hope they're not listening believe me they're not no, no they don't not. No. No. fuck you YouTube and with that we move into our strategy talk bit where we talk about the video games that we played the video game section of our video game podcast this is the bit where john looks at his phone for a heads up yep um we will be returning to president evil next time things were intense a uh, big shout out to jack hates who once again provided the dvds for our continuing president evil plus section thank you jack thank you jack brian i'm curious how is danganronpa v3 going i'm still playing danganronpa i'm playing this game quite slowly Although I've got a flight this weekend, so I'm hoping to do another chapter. I'm over halfway into this game now. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic oh, yeah. to hear. Um, I really, really love murder mysteries. Um, so there are some great kind of classic murder cases. Like there's a locked room murder. And then there's a murder where you're in the room, but all the lights were turned off. And you don't know who the murder is. So the... And I, I, I really love classic murder scenarios yeah like yeah that. those are real old school um, but they have a nice twist to them and because this is the third one in the series they have a formula and they keep like remixing it that's that's awesome that's really good to hear yeah um, I did not think uh, like because it it, 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 it it has the same formula as the two previous games but it's just the route it takes is different so it kind of plays with your expectation that you have from the past two games? Yeah, yeah, and that, and that series is so good at doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it keeps fucking with you. And like, it's it's a really ugly game still. It's it's not, it's such a trashy game. Yeah. 
But that's kind of part of it. It's kind of like watching a shitty YouTube channel, and you, but you love it. <laughs> but you know how like like it re like all the textures are low res. It's it's not a it. it Dude, like, I'm playing it on a fucking like TV. Yeah, it it's it, it's a very badly optimized game. Oh yeah, it looks like shit. Um, when it, when it, whenever they show cutscenes, there's lots of like breaking in the visuals, and some of the scenes aren't compressed properly. I, it's, I just, followed, it's a badly made game. I followed a like PNG character down a 2D PNG non-moving character down a 3D hallway. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, it's it. it I, I I'm like I really think because, um, especially in the second one, it, it had a bit of animation. This has none. I don't think they. I, I really don't think they were supposed to be making a third one of these, but they did it anyway. And you know, part of me likes that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there is a kind of broken, shitty charm to these games. Yeah. Um. I feel if you've played the first two or have a curiosity in general, I I I just. Because um, I really like the Phoenix Wright games. Um, Brian, what you like better, Danganronpa or Phoenix Wright? Danganronpa. Yeah. I actually prefer Danganronpa to Phoenix Wright. But I only would have played Danganronpa because of Phoenix Wright. I think Phoenix Wright is a more solid experience all around. Like, I think Phoenix Wright's a better game. Yeah. I think the highs of Danganronpa are so, so much higher than the highs of Phoenix Wright. Yeah. Um, I love the characters in the third game. There are some great waifus and husbandos. Yeah, for sure. And the characters that are getting like, like killed and are getting uh, caught as the murderer is very interesting because it's not who you expect. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm kind of more more than halfway into the game, and there was 16 characters. Now there's eight or nine, and it's not who I thought it would be. Interesting. Uh, and so, you, you know how, how you get that feeling when you watch Survivor or Big Brother and you kind of see like a, a big roster of characters and then it becomes a smaller roster mm-hmm. and you're kind of learning a new dynamic and you're getting favorites out of favorites and favorites out of people you didn't have an interest at the start. Yeah, yeah. I love that feeling. It's really... It's this pr- is like the best way to sell this game to me. Yeah. It's, really like, it's like Survivor. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah like, I can see that It's, it's a it. shitty anime Survivor. Yeah. I... I I would have my doubts about whether you would be able to stick this, like, because game feel is so important to you, Neve. Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't feel good, and no. this, and like, um, there are some bits where I'm like, I don't like these bits of the game, where it, where, where it does free time for a couple days before a murder happens, but after a case. Yeah. But then the murder happens, and you have to collect the evidence. I love that bit. And then you got the core case, and some, some bits of the core sections are really, really interesting. Other bits, you kind of know where you are, but you're two steps behind where the game will allow you to make that announcement. So you you know the information, but the game is not going to let you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was in Phoenix Wright as well, and it's just in a lot of detective uh, word dialogue solving games like that. It's just... It's, it's whoever writes it or whoever like team of a few people have, have a certain thought process... And they're connecting the dots that way, but not everyone connects the dots that way. Yeah. Um, Brian, let me ask you a question. Like, because I, I played through the first chapter of Danganronpa. I really liked it. Like, despite kind of, despite like some of my criticisms with it, I, I'm still thinking about it and I really want to go back to it. We got Game of the Year coming up. Yeah. And I'm trying to prioritize like what kind of stuff I should be playing. Do you think I have a decent picture of Danganronpa or should I really spend more time with it? Um,. You probably have to do case two and three, or, or to really kind of know I, what I it's. I can about. probably manage that. Yeah, 
Um, especially, especially the third one was one that was I was, I was like, yeah, this is good. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, it's gonna be my top five for the year. It's just how it nice. is. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I I love silly Japanese games. Yeah. And this is as silly as they. That guess. is a silly Japanese game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to spending more time with it. Yeah. So I played Cuphead, and I played a whole bunch of Cuphead because this game's really good. It's really, really super fun, and man, I like. I know kind of everyone's seen it. I know everyone's talked about it, but those visuals are just spectacular. Like, I think the the, the the strongest thing I could say about it is like it doesn't feel like an imitation of a 1930s cartoon. It just feels like a 1930s cartoon. Like, it just feels really authentic. Like, the lengths they seem to have gone to to capture the, like, the feel and personality of that era is, like, incredible. Nice. Yeah. It's really good. There's... I'd really like to play it, but I imagine it's something that I'd get annoyed with really quickly with the difficulty level. I don't know. Like, like I do... Right now, I'm on a boss, and it's the dragon. Oh, he's meant to be the hardest boss. Yeah, I've, I've died to hit him what feels like 50 times. But, like, there was a point in the game, and, like, I, I, I can, you, there's a place you can go, and you can see how many times you've died, and I died 120 times. I never felt frustrated. Like, I never felt annoyed. I always just felt like if I died, it was my fault. Like, it just... It, it always made sense why I died. My eyes weren't on the right part of the screen. I position myself badly like it's it is difficult but it really doesn't feel unfair to me like I think anyone with the maybe the exception of the dragon who has really been kicking my ass I think anyone who's really going to sit down with this game could figure it out like I don't think it's like this massive test of skill that kind of I guess it's been blown up to be yeah it's hard like Dark Souls is hard you know like yeah it's hard I guess it's like more like I don't want to like, I want to see it, but I don't want to die that much. Like, I think you if know. you don't enjoy this kind of game, yeah. obviously you should go watch a Let's Play or something. But I think I, I think it's kind of unfortunate in a way that a lot of it's kind of the discussion behind it has been sort of boiled down to just difficulty. Because I do think, like, the level of personality and fun there is to this game, there's, there's a lot more to it than just like, oh, it's, you know, a viciously hard game. And it is hard. It's you not have that to hard. talk about it though, because like, say if someone got it because they want to know more about the characters, and you never got to that boss because you were just like, "This is too hard for me." Maybe, yeah. But I think if you're going to buy a game, you should know what you're getting into. Fair, yeah. I think people are just enamored with the art style, and people want to see that in motion. Yeah, and I get that, but I think that's what's kind of cool about it as well, because like. When you get to a new boss, you're like, I can't wait to see what crazy shit this guy does. And then when you beat that boss, you're like, man, what's the next guy going to be? And, like, all the bosses have, like, like loads of transformations. And watching them, like, transition in and out of their various states is just so much fun. Um, it's, it's beautiful. I think I really don't like the kind of, like, both sides of the difficulty argument with it. I think they're both kind of silly. I think people... I think a lot of people are blowing this game to be up a lot more impenetrable than it is, but then, I don't know, when people talk about, like, I paid for this game and I should be able to see it all, I think that's a weird argument to make as well. I don't think... I think the guys who made this game had a very particular vision in mind and I think they executed on it, and it's weird people seeing saying that, that that's, like, exclusionary. 
like because what some people are saying is like well, what if someone has a disability and they can't get to the that they can't get to the end of the game and i think that's like that's okay i i see the validity of that but i also think that's a different conversation that's an accessibility thing and accessibility and difficulty are completely different things but then some people i guess making the argument that they wouldn't be skilled enough i i think i don't think it's I don't think it's reliant on your reaction times as much as it's reliant on just you learning the bosses and, like, taking the time to see this game. It's no different than, like, an RPG that's, like, 80 hours long. Yeah, you, you just might never study the game. Yeah, you might never see the ending if you're not going to put the time in, and that's what Cuphead is. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, you could, in theory, like, beat every boss in the first try and beat the game in, like, 40 minutes, but in reality, it's going to take you much longer than that. And, like, that's how I see Cuphead. It's, like, a 20-hour game because you have to learn these bosses. It's excellent. Yeah, I am having such a good time with it. It's really interesting because I've watched some of the boss fights on on YouTube, and the videos are only three minutes long. Because the it, 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 it like to to actually have a successful fight run against the boss, it's not actually that long. Yeah, it takes like a minute. Yeah, it's just it has to be a good minute. Yeah, I, I really really like that about it that it's not a slog that way. Yeah. And, like, the mechanics of the bosses and, like, learning the way they control different parts of the screen has been so much fun. You played a bit of it, Brian, actually. I did. How'd you find it? I love this. I really want to get it, but I can't. I don't have a machine that can play it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Xbox and PC. It's Xbox and PC. I have a Macintosh. I've been playing it. I've actually been... Actually, yeah... In a follow-up to an email we got a couple of weeks ago, and then a lot of emails we got after that, I've actually been playing a bunch of stuff on Steam connected to my TV. It's good. Yeah, it works. It's most of the time. Uh, it's like, if you want a comfortable setup, there's kind of there's various aspects you have to get over. I have a laptop, so I'm playing off my laptop, so maybe that's part of it. But what I'm doing is connecting my PS4 controllers through Bluetooth into my laptop, that is what's given me a lot of trouble. Because sometimes it connects, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes I need to use DS for Windows, sometimes that breaks it, and there was definitely a period of like, and look, if people want to say I'm an idiot for not figuring this out, fair enough. But there was a period where I just spent three hours trying to get like my controllers configured right and going through all the, because all the different things tell you to do different things. Like there's all, like, and it's one thing through USB, it's another thing through Bluetooth. And then I learned that not all HDMI cables are created equal. Yeah. Because some can only transfer 30 frames a second, and some can only transfer 60 frames a second. And you can't tell which is which, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I hate that about PC gaming and prepping and troubleshooting. Some people love that. Yeah. I love my PS4 because it doesn't because someone in Sony did that a couple years ago. Yeah, and was like, this isn't for the consumer to deal with. Now, when I did get it all running right, I did get it like, I did it. I I figured it all out, and that felt really good. But oh, other parts of it were just maddening. Like I was playing Cuphead on my computer, and I was on the TV, and I was like, this, this feels bad. This felt better yesterday. What's happening? And I figured it out, it was because Cuphead was running at 30 frames a second because I was using an old HDMI cable, and it just felt terrible. But to figure that out, I had to figure out how to, like, how to show a frames per second counter in Steam big picture mode, which Steam isn't equipped to do, and that was a whole thing, and, like, it was a lot of work 
to get this experience where if it had been on my PS4, I would have just had it. Yep. And it was frustrating, but now I have Steam on my computer, and when my DualShock 4 decides to connect to Bluetooth, it works really well. Why are you using Bluetooth over USB? So you can sit comfortably on the couch and not have a wire? Yeah. Oh, I just have a really long wire. I hate wires. You're such a barbarian. <laughs> I think wires are disgusting. But do you think the fractured butthole is disgusting? Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. I beat I beat it last night. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What's the hour count? I think I played like nearly 20 hours of it. Um, I checked how long to beat. Most people are beating it in like 15, but I think I just kind of... You took your time? Yeah, I, I, I end up doing almost all the side quests. And yeah, like uh, it, it's really good. I never played Stick of Truth, so I, I can't compare it to Stick of Truth. Do you think you'd go back and play Stick of Truth now? Yeah, I think I'll play it next year because uh, I got a free code for it. So I have it on my PS4. So I could just play it whenever. I, I really enjoyed Stick of Truth. Yeah, I thought I, it was fun. I probably will just sell this game, though. Like, I'm not going to keep it on my shelf. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. But bye. That's that. Yeah, yeah that's and, fair. Um, was the story good? Yeah, I thought the story was really good. Um, it's it's cool because I haven't enjoyed the last few seasons of South Park, and this is this is good South Park, which is great. It's, it, there's some really really funny bits in it. That's cool. Um, there's some great uh, yeah, like I really really like Cartman at the end. There 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 is like it 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 it, it really feels like South Park, and it even does that kind of thing with South Park where. Something was silly will happen at the very end, and it just like hard cuts the credits. You know how like a lot of episodes of South Park are like that. And yeah, they it, it like it 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 it's got all the same beats. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize I was fighting the last boss when I was fighting the last boss. Oh no! Oh no! But it has like a weird difficulty measure where they have like thought about every fight in the game and the progression of your level system so you're ne- so 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 you you uh, never grind every battle you participate in is a stepping stone oh, to the next one that's kind of you don't see rpgs do that that often no because when you play an atlas game you're in the dungeon you're at the boss's door but you're 10 level 10 levels too low somehow so you got to grind for an hour or two in the dungeon before you could take on the boss yeah. and you, you know how to beat the boss it's just you just you you're, you you uh, don't have enough HP. Or I never know magic. if I like that a lot because when I do level up and I do like start doing more damage to the boss and taking less, it feels really good. But is that artificial? Yeah, I think like you pers- think so. Yeah, I really don't like Persona's battle system in terms of like it is what you just get stronger to hit him more. But I'd see I'd have the same thing with like Final Fantasy and stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Final Fantasy, you can brute force your way and do that, or you can employ a whole bed of tactics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. You cannot do that in Persona. Mm-hmm. So, so for this, I did use a lot of tactics, or I had like three specific characters that I had a good like flow and formula wish, and I found a lot of the battles very satisfying because of how I used them. That's cool. How how would the battles compare to like something like Fire Emblem? Much more simplified. Like moves never miss in this game, um, so you you never have to worry about that. Um, there isn't really like a weapon rock paper scissors system or anything right, like right, that. Right. Um, so there's just way less to take into account. Yeah, but then there are battle conditions sometimes where you have to kind of fight an enemy, but you have to use the environment a certain way. Because maybe the left or right side of the battlefield has danger zones, or maybe every two or three turns, 
something will happen and you have to be on a certain spot to avoid a, a special attack. That's cool. That'll cut your health by 50%. I, I really like those, but there's not a lot of them. Okay. But when they do happen, you, 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 you kind of sit up all of a sudden because you're not kind of playing on easy mode. You, you actually have to yeah. come up with a strategy. Brian, could you tell us about your creative character? Uh, I played... Oh, okay. Little boy. Okay. Uh, trans boy. Okay. Uh, uh, who's light-skinned black with puffy pink hair. And he is of Irish descent, but was born in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, I'm pansexual. I'm an atheist. Uh, are these all options you get in the game? Yeah. How did, wow. they, did they come up in the narrative? Yeah, it's Mr. Mackey like, trying, trying to talk to you about like your identity. And it just happens, oh. like, uh, because it, 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 I think it's got about four or five days in the game. But each day you you, you uh, go to school and you talk to the guidance counselor, Mr. Mackey, just about who, you know. <laughs> who you are and what's going on. Yeah. That's but then, like in Until Dawn and stuff like that. Yeah. It doesn't really affect the game. Um, it's just something you kind of apply to yourself and you can work it in. But, like, it doesn't affect the game in any way, to be honest. I mean, I, I think... We've, we've talked about this a bunch before. I think the narrative that plays out in your head with that shit is as, as important as what happens in the game a lot of the time. Yeah, because, like, like... if they can give you hooks into that, all the better. Um, the characters just call you New Kid, which is a neutral... They, they never call you a name or anything like that. There are bits in the game where they kind of break the fort wall and make fun of dialogue trees... Where they're like, we were going to beat on you no matter what dialogue path you took. <laughs> That's <laughs> like pretty good. Shit like that. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, this game's made by Ubisoft. And it has that Ubisoft janky polish. Where they worked real yeah. hard on the game. But then there's just like dips in quality. Where like a character will be talking and it'll go to a cutscene. But the dialogue from the character that was just oh, talking no. to you is still playing. Layered on top of another one. Or sometimes you'll do a move, but the sound effect will be missing. You know, just, you know, real real familiar yeah. jank from Ubisoft. Yeah, games. I remember a bit of that in Stick of Truth as well. Yeah, just yeah. just, just special special moments. Um, so another game I was playing on Steam was Fight and Rage. This and looked cool. Yeah, so what this is, is this is a real kind of retro throwback sort of really heavy kind of stylized pixel art game where it's like a scrolling beat-em-up, like your Streets of Rage, like your Final Fights, that kind of stuff. And this game's really cool. Really, really cool. It's um, a lot of the a lot of the fun in the fun of it is like the aesthetic. Like the it's obviously like in the style of old school pixel games, but it's that thing where like the fidelity is so much higher and there's so many more frames that it just it looks awesome. The fighting in it is really interesting, but only really when you start to bump it up to the harder difficulties, because what then it becomes is like it's crowd control the game because you're trying to like okay these guys are over here these might do this so i need to throw this guy here hit this guy run over and combo this guy it's it's a lot of fun and like the boss characters as well are really there's you know there's a logic to them and there's fun there's ways if once you figure out their pattern you can just beat the shit out of them and i love that and like kind of beat them ups it's interesting as well because like the game has like branching paths but like loads so the first thing that happens is like Oh no, the mutants are attacking, and you can go fight the mutants, or you can run away. 
And if you run away, the game plays out, the game story plays out completely differently, and you meet characters that you wouldn't have met otherwise. And um, I think where the game's like really genuinely interesting is when it starts taking like old conventions of old beat em up games and mixing it in with the branching story stuff. So there's this, the second boss of the game, you go, go to him and he has like a girl and he's like, if you come any closer I'll kill her. And once you cross a certain line, he just kills her. And it's like, man, how, what do I do? But if you bring a knife from the previous stage and don't use it at all, you know the way in like Streets of Rage, if you use a knife, you just throw it. Yeah. That is, you can do that. So you can throw the knife at him and hit him and free the girl. And then she's your ally for the rest of the game. And there's like story hooks for that. Like you get different cutscenes and stuff. So if you didn't bring the knife, could you have done that? Can you go back and get it? No, you have to know to bring the knife from the previous stage. And stuff like that is really cool. Where I feel like it starts to fall apart a little is there's no save system. You earn currency and you can buy stuff with your currency. And you can buy really cool stuff like alternate costumes, new playable characters, all this kind of stuff. But you have to beat the whole game in one sitting. And I have played it for like two hours and I haven't beaten it. And part of that is it gets very tough in the later levels, but also it's just fucking long. Like with Streets of Rage 2, I can beat that in about 40 minutes to an hour, and I've done that many, many times, and I'll do it many more. And I think that's the perfect length of time for a kind of you know, simple enough 2D brawler. But with this, I really think they mismanaged the length, and it's just, it's way too long. And I want to beat it, and I'm sure I will, but it's it's trying, and I just wish it was a little tighter. It should be like Binding of Isaac, where you can sit down and do a run of the game or something like that. I, someone in the next two or three years is going to make an excellent scrolling beat-em-up roguelike. And yeah. it's going to be so much fun. Well, it, It's cool that it has these foundations. I love the visuals of this game. Yeah. Because it's done with a cabinet, but it has a CRT monitor and it has a bulge in the middle. Yeah. So it, it, it's got the screen edges border, bordered of the arcade cabinet. Isn't it funny how we replicate stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Bring back imperfection. Yeah. And they're kind of out of focus. So what when you play a character, uh, he's kind of off to the middle center, but he's kind of warped a little bit. And when stuff kind of comes from the screen edge on camera, it's warped a bit until it. And so it's kind of weird that you're reading the pixels, but they're not evened out. Yeah, and it's. It would totally, like, it really does get that feel of, like, being in a shitty arcade. And I like that. Um, the three play- There's three playable characters as well, and they all play really differently, which I love. I like Gal. She's fun. Uh, if you like scrolling beat-em-ups, you should even just look up a trailer of this, and you'll know straight away if it's for you or not. If you're not into that genre, this is not going to do anything for you. But I-, I think it's really cool. Neve, Assassin's Creed Origins. How's it going? I saw I saw you pet a kitten. Yeah. I did. You can pet cats. Um, I'm. I was really apprehensive about liking this game because I thought it, it might just be a bad game. Might be an Ubisoft game. Yeah, but it's so good. Like I'm having so much fun in that world. That's deadly. Um, I've gotten way more used to the battle system. You're using the shoulder buttons to block and attack, uh, which is unusual for Assassin's Creed. And at the start, I felt I felt really light and floaty and found it hard to lock on because the lock-on system had, has that Ubisoft jank where it's good and it's serviceable, but it could be better. Like, it totally could be better. Um, I switched my sword to a heavy bludgeoning weapon. 
and that has like slowed me down a lot and made my battle my fights just better for me and he has some brutal animation where yeah. he like slams that thing down and it just like goes into slow motion and you can just hear all this weight being slapped out of someone <laughs> nice like, i love slapping I, weight out of people <laughs> it's yeah. so weird like it's like every time it happens i'm like Ugh, but i'm like can't wait to do that again <laughs> <laughs> it feels good yeah you can like attack people from on horse pack i can swing that big heavy mallet and get that real sense of weight on the back of a horse and just knock someone off um it has that Metal Gear vibe to it where no matter how much time you have, if you have an hour or 20 minutes, you can pick like an encampment of soldiers and be like, spot everyone, use your Eagle Senna, which is like the first time they've actually did some proper Eagle gameplay, surprisingly for Assassin's Creed, that's all based around the Eagle motif. Yeah, and they've, there's been Eagles in it since 3. They, it, the eagle has been like around since the first one. Really? Yeah, the eagle cry was not around in the first one. Three had a bit of gameplay in it, but like this, you use it like the binoculars in Metal Gear. You mark your targets, and they stay marked, so you can make a plan of how you want to infiltrate and take over a base. Um, it doesn't seem too overpopulated with objectives. I go to a new area, and there's new objectives, but the new area is always really geographically different. Like there's. There's swampland filled with alligators. There's like barren desert. There's burnt out villages. There's really thriving villages. There's military outposts. There's the pyramids of Giza that I climbed to the top of. Like that was just really cool, just to climb to the top of that. So when you're in the world and you do find like an objective, Mm -hmm. what's like, how good are they? Because I felt like, you know, with not just Assassin's Creed, all Ubisoft games that a lot of them I've played, it's like, yeah, there's objectives everywhere, and they're all terrible. These are better. Yeah. They're not, like, Witcher level, but I think they took a lot of notes from the Witcher. That's so, cool. So, Bayek is a Magi, and he's kind of basically a helper of the people. It's his job to take care of people. So, he wears the mark of the Magi, and people know that, and they'll be like, Magi, can you help me? So, it's usually stuff like... like it's during this kind of Greek takeover of the land. Yeah. So there's a bit of political strife and there's like someone stole my horse. There is like, they are fetch quests, but they are written into the history of what's happening politically of the time. I, I kind of appreciate that there is like narrative reasons for yeah. why people would give you a side quest. Because when you think about that, it is kind of jarring with a lot of games where it's yeah. like, dude, I don't want to find your fucking cat. I know. it's And the thing is, well, like... The story is knocking by at a great pace, but there's also a lot of downtime for Bayek. And not like, it doesn't feel artificial, like he's waiting to get word or he's waiting to meet for his wife because they're like traveling on foot or they're traveling on horseback. So there is time for me to do that and not feel like it's interrupting this really weighty story. Mass Effect 3 problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like I was like, I'm going to deal with saving the world after I find some shoes for this man. Like, <laughs> I feel like on my travels to the next location, I'm st- stopping by settlements and doing stuff. You know, like it feels natural with the narrative. And then on top of that, the narrative is really, really good. I think Bayek is one of the best characters that's been in Assassin's Creed, if not the best Assassin's Creed character. We were talking about like, mature like sex and relationships in video games him and and his wife just keep doing it like all the time they're having a great time and it's really like nice to see this established relationship that's dealt with yeah we were talking about that before Mm. it's so rare in a video game that your character is already in a relationship they're either you know a prospect shows up a quarter of the way into the game or they're dead and you go to avenge them 
That's kind of it. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's stuff to Bayek and Aya's relationship that you're not privy to. They've been married a long time. They've had kids. They like they have so much history. They f- feel like a really good pair, like as a couple. And I'm really interested for them to get their revenge. Like I'm like, yeah, go for it, go nuts. That's really cool. Yeah, really, so really cool. I'm invested in both the gameplay and Bayek's story and him as a character. There is some of the Assassin's Creed Animus stuff, but you could totally ignore that. But even that's not really intrusive. Like, it keeps itself to the side, and when it does happen, the new character is really likable. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty up on this game. That sounds cool. It sounds like if I was to try an Assassin's Creed game, this would be it. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. But all that sounds like... It sounds like they've addressed a lot of the criticisms with that series, which is great. I think it was good that they took a year off from Assassin's Creed... They didn't release one last year. They, they did Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. So the last one was Syndicate, which was in 2015. Um, and Syndicate was, was well received. Yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah, because you know how about, you know, because I think the first one came out 10 years ago, which is a long time ago. That's so nuts. It well, doesn't feel that I old. Think it might have been more than that, even. Yeah. Was I, I, I think it was 2007. Because the first one, no, it was on. It was on the. It was. It was launch Xbox, wasn't it? Three hundred and sixty. No, because the Xbox three hundred and sixty launched in two thousand five. It, it launched December to, November December two thousand five. Man, and it launched that, with like cameo and King Kong and that shit like that. starting period for that generation was rough and slow. Yeah. It always is. This one generation was bad as well. Yeah, yeah the PS four fucking sucked four years ago. Yeah, it did. Jeez, Neve, that sounds cool. I'm glad that's going well. A few people have been asking me should they get this game and if any of that sounds good to you, get it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Egypt's cool. It is. Egypt is so freaking cool. I found like a secret passage under the Sphinx. I was like, cool, okay. Maybe you can't tell people about that. <laughs> um, okay. So I played a game called Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, you beat it. I don't know. It beat you? It sure as hell did something. I talked about this on the last episode of the podcast. It's kind of a dating sim sort of game. And so I was about an hour into it and uh, nothing had really happened. Like it just seemed like a dating sim. That side of it continued. There was no, there was nothing weird. There was nothing supernatural or anything. It just, it just kept going like that. And the weirdest thing happened. I got invested in that storyline. I was like, oh, I do like this girl. But I want this girl. Uh-oh. It was it was the choice between my, my best friend and the goth. And that was hard. Yeah, goths are cool. Goths are so like cool. The ultimate decision. It is. Neve, you're my no. God, goths are fucking class. Yeah, they're really good. But Things take a sudden, very dark turn in that game. And that you could see that coming. You knew like you knew something was gonna happen. And you know, something very nasty does happen. How like how like can you say it? How nasty No, is don't it? say it, don't yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, like You can't say it. It's it, you could look halfway through that game, you could stop and look at the characters and look at their position and what the game's hinting at, and you could be like this will happen and it happens and that's the twist but it's totally not that is like the game being like 
step one. Oh. And it just goes from there. And then you start, like, then you get an end. And then you start, but things aren't right. And the character that did the thing in the first playthrough is just gone from reality. They don't exist anymore. So you have only two girls you can date in this one? Yes. And it's it's still a dating sim? Yes. But shit ain't right. Shit is really, really... There's something, like... There's something really wrong, and I was like, I can't... Okay, I, I get this situation is fucked up. I know this is bad, but I don't know why this is happening. And they answered and delivered on that question in a way that genuinely freaked me the fuck out. Like, this legitimately unsettled me. Like, it got me to a point where I was like, I have to close this now because this is too fucking weird. Weird or horrible or scary? Like, Um, I'm, I'm struggling to understand the emotion you're feeling here. So it's very difficult to get into specifics, and yeah. I really don't want to get into specifics. No, no, don't. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, because I really think that people should experience this. So you do think people should pay, play it, and it's not like... This so is gross. one of my favorite games of the year. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> like, this is John's Undertale. <laughs> Yay! The Undertale Great. 2.0, baby! <laughs> found it. <laughs> um, Fuck Lisa, it's all about this game. There's, those are very different games and made me feel very and different both things. both of them didn't come out in 2017. This did. This, this uh, came out in September 2017. <laughs> it came saying, out just before Halloween. I'm just saying, game of the year. Apparently, so it's free and it, I checked how long to beat and it said it takes four hours. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But no, like, I, I really don't, like, I, I genuinely think there is really great stuff this game does that would only work as a video game. Like this, this would be a sh- like if they. I I don't think this is. I don't think this is actually Japanese. I think this is. I feel like this is Western made, but it's like, you know, in the style of Japanese. I think this would make a. Cr- this would make a shitty anime. But this makes a great video game, and so, Fuck yeah. some of the stuff it does, like. Uh, there was a point in the game, and I was like. Is the game gonna let me quit? Like it's, and right now, like the fact that I'm not playing the game, that's kind of part of the narrative. It's fucking bizarre. Okay. I don't really want to say too much else, but yeah. I want to go back into the game and see if I can dig further. But it's. It's weird, and it really, it really, it genuinely scared me. Like, I, well, I was really unsettled by what happened. They got okay, you. so it's free. It's on Steam. Doki Doki Literature. It's book. free. It's on Steam. It's also not on Steam. There's a version of it for Mac. Yeah, you can play this game any which way you want. I will be loot dropping a link to it. I can't guarantee everyone's gonna like this game, but I can say it's maybe one of the best horror experiences I've had in games, and I've like the longest longest time it's very hard to scare people these days you you, everyone should everyone should check out this game it's it's fucking cool and with that let's move into our quick time events these are the short news bits 
the quick news section of our podcast. I like how you both say short and quick as if it would make it move faster. I'd love... I'm, lo- I'm looking at these and I'm Brian. Like, Brian wants today's podcast to be over so bad. I'm sleepy. I don't like doing these. I love doing these. See? Cool. See? See? I did. I, I saved it. But what, how do you know it's not really awesome news? Like something really fucking amazing and uplifting. Ah, well... Massive layoffs. Walking Dead developer Telltale Games scales down to 12 staff by 25%. That sucks. I that's mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder how many staff that is. Apparently, it's about ninety people. That's a lot. Yeah. Jesus. Hard to go out to them. They said it's to move forward with a smaller team with more focused projects. So I can kind of be like, yeah, that needed to happen. It really sucks for the staff, though. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure Telltale have done really well off a lot of their games and stuff, but. I really feel like there was an opportunity squandered somewhere along the way. Like, I feel like The Walking Dead Season 1 got off to such a great start and, you know, they they built on it with The Wolf Among Us, but then they started churning out games with such regularity that they never changed their engine or advanced their tech, and so we were left with just these janky-ass, like... And the narratives weakened, you know? They they didn't hire a new art director either. It was like, they were never, like... I didn't hear people like, you have to play this game with any of the other ones. It was kind of like... I heard good stuff about Tales of the Borderlands, but I'm not interested yeah, in playing like Borderlands. Borderlands. Yeah. No. Batman was fine. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it's a good move for them because I love that type of game, but I they saturated their own market. I feel like they brought the adventure game back to life and then murdered it again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago when... Studio in Finland that made Angry Birds, Rovio, Rovio. They made like a second studio. They hired like two hundred new people, and they were like, "Angry Birds is gonna be, it's gonna be the next big thing." Mobile apps exist in the blink of an eye, and they just had to just they they grew so big and then they just had to shut down that shit so fast we had a friend that worked for them and then yeah, yeah. I think he worked there at the peak of Rovio he worked there for a whole three months I'd say great guy so talented yeah um, so hearing this about Telltale because you know that they were constantly growing and growing and growing mm-hmm. but you know internally there's just there's an idea bucket and it's empty and they need to just go back to basics or they need to reassess things yeah and I, they'll like they'll turn it like they'll bring out a really good game. I'm like sure of it. I hope so. Yeah, like I, I really think if that's their plan is to kind of focus on a tighter experience, that it could be something really great. Because like Walking Dead, that just blew everything out of the water. Like that was such an amazing experience. Yeah, it's great. And, and man, if they could recapture that, like sky's kind of the limit. I think. And just learning stuff from like, Life is Strange and those games that have learned from them. Yeah. I felt like, uh, for me personally, uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm, that was the first time, that, that was the first game I saw that I that really kind of made the Telltale stuff look just completely outdated. Like, there was stuff that had built upon it up until that point, but I felt like Before the Storm had a level of polish that was like, oh, this is the direction this shit needs to go. Pikachu talks. <laughs> yeah. Um, will I go into this? I kind of know a bit it. about it. Um, they have done a cinematic 20th anniversary of the Pokemon movie but it's not Mewtwo Strikes Back what it is is it's the first season of Pokemon 
abridged into a 90 minute, two hour feature film. And it's Ash doing the original Pokemon League, but it's the narrative of him and Pikachu kind of as the crux of it. And they've kind of, and they've done a reanimation of it. Um, Cause Sorry, Brian. Do you know if this is him going around to the gyms or him doing the Elite Four or what? I think it's mainly the gyms. I don't know if it's right. the Elite Four, but I think it's like, especially the early half, because that was him and Pikachu bonding. Because Pikachu hates Ash at the start. Yeah, I was actually watching the first episode of it recently. Pikachu's a dick. Yeah, Pikachu's a dick. Don't they all kind of hate him at the start? Like Charmander hates him as well. Yeah, Charmander likes him. Charmeleon hates him. Yeah, yeah, that's I it. I always thought that was so weird. Yeah, he, he just. It's just like having a cute kid that turns into an asshole teenager, yeah. and then like that's it for the rest. That's it's fucked. Do you think their memories are replaced when they evolve? No, need. They're just Pikachu teenagers. They're just teenagers. I think it's literally another person. It's just like it's like having a serial killer son, and you're just like, <gasps> oh, this is my son. Pikachu's serial killer son. Yeah. What if? But what if? So. Do you think if you're if you had a Pokemon and he was kind of a dick, you could evolve him just to see if he gets I nicer? I think that's what it is because Pikachu is kind of like, don't evolve me, like don't erase me, Ash. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Like, that's so fucked I up, like isn't it? Like they just change so much that like they're a different being. Yeah, it's a different personality with different yeah. like it it, it. it does have a it 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 it, it does remember you because I know there's an episode where Ash is trying to heal his Charizard, and the Charizard remembers when he was a Charmander. That's such a good episode. So he knows that stuff, but he's still a dick about it. But like, you know, that's that thing where it's like you in like five years time, all your atoms, every cell of your body is completely different than it was five years ago. Yeah. Do you think Pokemon's just like, it just accelerates that process so it's not the same Pokemon at all anymore? I think it could be. But their mind has sped up and changed as well. Yeah. They They just live at a different pace to us. I think like like the memories of Charmander would be like external memory like like data you have access to. Yeah, but they're like I don't remember this as being me, but I remember a time that you cared for I guess the idea of me. I don't know, they're different beings. Anyway, this all culminates <laughs> in Pikachu talking. Um, this is towards the end of the movie where Ash gets electrocuted and uh, I think he is hallucinating or he's dying. But <laughs> He's lying on the ground because I've seen the footage of someone shooting this in the cinema. But he looks to Pikachu and Pikachu talks. And it's a squeaky Pikachu voice just being like, just Pikachu telling Ash he loves him and they can do this. And the cinema is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> people are screaming. And you see popcorn flying and everything. The, 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 oh, um, I, I gotta see that. But the thing is, and I think it's a completely cultural thing, is that. Pikachu in Japan has a very iconic voice actress and she was carried across to the to the to, to, to the Western dub. Uh, they kept Pikachu's voice actor the same. Um, and she's very well known in Japan. She does a lot of TV TV interviews. Is she uh, as popular as the Luffy voice actor? Oh yeah. Did you ever see Luffy's voice actor, Neve? No. She'd be as popular as Luffy's voice actor, Goku's voice actor. Is Luffy's go voice actor a woman as well? Yeah. It's so cool to me that all these shonen stars yeah. like are the. Same I, with I the, think the dub is maybe a woman too. Uh, for 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 One Piece. Yeah. 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 She's great. I I think she's so good as Luffy. Makes yeah. me like Luffy more. I, I I'm pretty sure it's a woman. Well, I think, like I think it, it, is. it really should be a woman because Luffy's 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 more female than male. Gone is such a woman. <laughs> yeah. That's. 
Not even trying to hide that's, it. That's just a, that's just a, a boy-shaped woman. Yeah. <laughs> boy-shaped woman. We should call that the podcast. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but I kind of get the feeling that in Japan, she's just very highly regarded. So to have her say not just Pikachu, but have her say a bit of dialogue was very satisfying for the Japanese audience. And they got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. They got a very positive response. But here in the West, they just got some voice alike just to squeak out a few bits of English. And everyone was just like, this is uncanny what bullshit. Should, what should Pikachu sound like if you were to talk? You should just get Meryl Streep or someone to do it, like some like revered actress. I, th- I think I think Frasier would be a good option. <laughs> I, I get Donald Glover. <laughs> he can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, Ash. You um, all right? Did you see the announcement for the, the Lion King lineup? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Was this is uh, directed by John Favreau. I know it's off topic, but it's directed by John Favreau, <laughs> who just did The Jungle Book. And apparently, I haven't seen The Jungle Book, but a lot of it is very beat for beat, some part shot for shot, a remake of the 1960s film. So I assume The Lion King is just, it's 25, nearly, almost 30 years later. And they're just going to rehash The Lion King. Yeah, that's what they're Who's doing. Who's playing Scar? Oh, fuck. I don't know, off the top of my head. Man, that's... that's To me, that's Seth like Rogen's the most... Yeah, but Seth Rogen's playing Scar. No, no, he's, <laughs> yeah, play, he's not Kumba. No, yeah. Um, I can't remember who's playing Scar. <gasps> it's the perfect fit. I think it's a white guy who's playing Scar. All hail the king, Simba! <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking rich. I haven't aged in fucking 15 years, but I've looked... 35 for 15 years. He's 24 in You, Me, and Dupree, and he looks like shit in that film. Okay. I know we're going off topic, but it's fine. Okay, I'll get us back on topic. So if you could choose to look 40 from now till you're 40, but you stay looking 40 from 40 to 70, would you do it? Yeah. No. No, I wouldn't do it. I would, because look at Morgan Freeman. He just looks timeless. Yeah, he does look kind of like 40 forever. He, he's looked that way for so long. But like, I yeah. feel like at 70, I wouldn't give a shit anyway. So like... Um, 70, you could still date 40-year-olds. Yeah. That the, would probably seem like a good thing when I you're... I have little. a wife. <laughs> <laughs> the lead singer of Weezer has looked the same for the last 25 years. Just looks... Why do you look at the lead singer of Weezer often? <laughs> like, why? Because they're always... It's like, hey guys, there's a new Neve, Weezer album. Neve, you know Brian keeps tabs. Yeah, I do. I'm very interested. <laughs> He's in the... very interested. Oh, like, I didn't know you liked Weezer, but now I know you like Weezer and that makes sense. I don't love Weezer. I'm just like... Brian loves Weezer. I like their music videos. Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I hate that song. Yeah, it's not really That's song. a shit song. What's the best Weezer song? Um, Buddy Holly. Because it's only Neve, two minutes long, what, what's and it's all the, great. What's with all the Weezer hate? Which is so... Man, I didn't, didn't, this didn't, was, I, didn't, I didn't know people like Weren't you Weezer. a teenager who had crying at one point? Yeah, yeah, and I did not like Weezer. But they had that video with the sumo wrestlers. Yeah, Hash Pipe. <laughs> you love Hash. I don't know, Weezer are just lame. I don't feel like I have to explain why Weezer is lame. I think Evanescence <laughs> is lame, but Weezer aren't lame. Yeah, that's not a debate. You know, Evanescence, Evanescence had some alright songs. <laughs> Fucking going under. Oh. That's a banger. Jesus, John. You're lamer than. You're such a Christian Brian rocker. Like, yeah, oh, John. oh, John's fucking lamer than Brian. What a revelation. The f- <laughs> fucking little anime boy is lamer than anyone. Shocking. You can't hurt me, Neve. I know what I am. I don't know which one of you are the anime boy either. <laughs> like, I don't really like a lot of anime. Yeah, Brian. Really, that, I 
But he likes the worst anime, so it kind of amplifies well, it. What worst anime? Prison, Prison school? school? Prison School is good! It's good! Yeah, you know what? You know what? There's a person out there who likes both Prison School and Weezer. It's the worst person. <laughs> no, okay. The other day at work, I found out that a friend of mine, a co-worker, Federico, shout-outs to you, my boy. He likes Prison School, and he likes it for the exact same reasons as us. He thinks it's funny. Oh god! He, he likes the story. Like he likes Weezer, and I was like, "Oh no!" I so have an answer for you. Weezer ranks lower than Prison yeah, School. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm more likely to talk to you. Because you're like such Prison a school me over Weezer. Me, me, you're such a snob. <laughs> such a snob. Prison School is cool. Prison School is really cool. Prison School is way and better than. And it was cool as a manga, and then it got even cooler as an anime. Yeah, yeah, it did. Because it's got chromatic aberration in yeah. the anime. And that that title sequence come on yeah they're on the cliff face then the uniforms appear on them so Pikachu talks (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ was it good and well received did everyone love it (laughs) oh they loved it as much as you loved the new Weezer album (laughs) it's just no so EA have been putting in what I can only call a spectacular performance this year it's like they heard about our biggest shit show category and are just swinging for the fences because holy shit I don't even I, I, we don't need to go over a lot of the basics of the Star Wars Battlefront stuff because like you know there's a lot of microtransaction stuff in Star Wars Battlefront 2 it's really egregious takes 40 hours to unlock Darth Vader which I, I've heard isn't quite true I've heard it doesn't take that long no it did take that, that long but in 24 hours after people made those calculations after a 10-hour preview, EA had dropped the price down. Well, what I heard about those initial calculations was they only took the base level currency and not any other of the forms of currency you can get, like the daily quests or stuff like that, which apparently... Well, like, I'm going off reports what people say. Like, people who have spent time with the game say it's more like 10 to 20 hours. It doesn't make that much of a difference, but I just think it's worth noting. But then EA dropped the price of these characters, but did you hear about the other thing EA did? Only today that they dropped the credits you get and you earn from stuff. Yeah. They're so nuts. They're such shitbags. Because the thing is, after the beta, people were like, this loot box system seems crappy. And they made this huge loot um, blog post about how they had listened to feedback and they were going to change it. And I actually, like, I retweeted it. And I was like, oh, this is cool that they're doing this. But I don't know much about it. So maybe it'll be all for nothing. And, like, it's like they took all that kind of minimal goodwill they'd managed to just being like, oh, we acknowledge this, this is a thing. And they were like... Let's just fuck it all up. <laughs> like they just made the biggest mess of any release, and this is Star Wars. Even like, I think Jim Sterling was really on the money with something he said about this, where he was saying how it doesn't matter what they say now because they've made their intentions with this game clear. Their intentions aren't let's put out a good game that people want to buy. Their intentions are we know people are going to buy this game and we're going to milk them for all they've worth. So I think any changes they make now, fuck them. Yeah, same. like I absolutely, I don't care at all. Like, Just- and, and like I'm not going to pretend like I was going to buy this game. I don't care about Battlefront. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's great for fans of that series and people who want that kind of game. I was, I never- was going to buy this. I love the prequels. Like this was the game I was going to buy, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's too gross. It's way too gross. I think if like I don't think people should buy it. Yeah. Um, they also bought uh, the studio that made Titanfall. 
Titanfall 3. Uh, Respawn Entertainment. Um, And they just shut down Visceral. And I really, really like Titanfall 2. Visceral are not even cold in the ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they've bought, like, fully, fully acquired them because because they did publish Titanfall 2. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll give them a lot of money and then they'll take it away. They'll put a lot of loot boxes in it. Or well, they they'll like, make it a horrible working environment like Mass Effect Andromeda. They were like, don't worry. They're being they're they're completely autonomous. Like, no EA management. That It's like that is that is literally like going on a date with a serial killer and you know he's a serial killer, hundred percent. You know he's killed ten people, and everyone you know knows he's killed ten people, but everyone's like Maybe he won't do what he's Definitely going to do. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe he'll get sick and tired, and he won't be able to murder you. But yeah. Ah, oh, they just suck. This is like two of the biggest sci-fi releases of the year that they've just like tanked. Yeah. Like they like this will probably sell well because people buy Star Wars games. But like, oh. Do you ever hear the sales figures on the first one? No. Fifteen million. That is so nuts. Because yeah. like I feel like there was even like pushback against that because it didn't have like. I think, that two, I think it had two maps at the start. And yeah. yeah, it was meant to be a really bare-bones experience. From what I was described to it as, uh, it's like you and a team of 40 against another team of 40 spawns you way off in one of the corners of the map. You run towards the middle of the map and you get shot. And then you respawn and you just repeat. Yeah, that sounds like well. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Um, now, in fairness, that does sound like Battlefield as well like that's yeah. what those games have been for the longest time yeah yeah they are I hate those fucking games yeah uh, me too but I also acknowledge that's because I'm completely terrible at them I just want a good one that isn't like plagued with bullshit like this it just really sucks yeah because like I really really like the multiplayer of Titanfall 2 I played a lot of the online um, and I don't play online shooters no, but uh, Titanfall 2 click with me and now it's unclick it's gonna unclick immediately because I know they're just gonna, they're gonna shit it up. Something like Dead Space. Yeah. And then this got extra weird because like, there was this EA dev um, who made a tweet saying he just gotten his fifth death threat over this stuff, and I always think that's a little bit weird because, well, not. Sometimes I think, like, if you're someone who gets death threats, you know it's not a good idea to talk about it a whole bunch because that's just going to inspire other people to make death threats against you. And so I always get a little tiny suspicious when people are, like, talking about all the death threats they get. Yeah, they're kind of being a bit over-hysterical about something. It's weird. I don't want to describe it because, like, if you're getting death threats, that's legitimately fucking shitty. Like, it's it's really not a fun thing to go through. But you're not, you're not reacting in a good way you're not going to help the solution or help the problem but then sometimes i think people like particularly on twitter and particularly the kind of people who latch onto this kind of story they can just be like all these death threats i'm getting is crazy and i did feel like there was something i just i just had a brief passing thought i wonder is he getting as many as he says he is i felt that too because like i was watching all this stuff happen and i was kind of like I care about it, so I was watching it, and like I never saw that level of vitriol. So I was kind of like, 
it really? I was really surprised that someone was getting death threats. And I totally believe it could happen. Like, mm-hmm. I think it has happened before. But, I don't know, something about this seemed weird. And, like, I didn't really, ha- I didn't have any conscious idea that this was to the level this was happening. But Jason Schreier over at Kotaku started looking into this guy who's this EA developer. And all these inconsistencies started coming up. First of all, he was meant to be a data... Excuse me, he was meant to be a data analyst. Then apparently later in his Twitter timeline, he said he was in charge of QA. And then later he was saying that he had just finished his first year. Then he was saying that it was four years. And... It seems like this guy wasn't an EA dev at all. It seems like he was a liar getting in the middle of all this drama. He's someone who pretends to be an EA dev on Twitter. And EA even put out a statement saying that they couldn't acknowledge that this person worked for them. What the fuck? It's nuts because so many articles were written about those death threats and those articles went past like game media news and was picked up by like BBC and like other stuff like that without any research into this person as an employee. Yep. It's really fucked up. And like, I think on his part, that's a shitty thing to do because now he's injected the notion of death threats into this conversation, Mm -hmm. which means someone is going to make a death threat against someone because it's just a more common part of this process. Mm -hmm. And it's an important conversation to have about loot boxes and stuff. And then kind of, I don't know, it does feel like it was trying to take the player away from what was actually happening. You think that you think this runs deeper? I think it was. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I think, but like I'm not. It does sound like a spin. A spin, like. I think that's in the. I would consider that unlikely, but not impossible. Marketing teams, like I don't know. Uh, marketing. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying what is. You just. You just. You, <laughs> you, I'm just putting ideas out here, man. <laughs> house is on fire but look over here someone just got knocked down but you you you, you uh, didn't see it but someone's on the ground i'm gonna hide these petrol cans real quick <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean sure i i think ea are fucking gross like i think there was a period where they started coming back and they started being a respectable publisher again but jesus christ like they have just they're the worst now like they are terrible they publish some great games that isn't their own IP that they ruin. Yeah. Like, but, ah, oh, when they do get their fingers on things. And I think, you know, it from what it seems like, they want this to be the way moving forward. It sucks. I wonder what Anthem's gonna be. Like, I'm so curious about what that game is. It seems like it will have been set up from the ground to be a destiny that works in microtransactions in a big way from the get-go. I think the first Anthem will not lean on microtransactions that hard. I think they're stupid if it does. I think they're stupid. (laughs) But like with Star Wars, they know everyone's going to buy Star Wars because they want to hear the robots say Roger, Roger. I do want to hear them say Roger, Roger. Exactly. And so they know they can get away with microtransactions. (laughs) It's bullshit. They're they're, they're the worst developer. I I sure as hell am not going to buy any EA games ever. You might end up buying one. You might have to concede and buy one because of... If they get better, I'd buy one. But fuck, like, what a, well, what a, that's an easy thing for me to say, because what do AMA make that I like? Nothing. Yeah. I don't know, I've, I'm, I'm not gonna get Star Wars anyway, but we'll see where other ones land. The part that gets me though is like, do you think they care? Uh, I think they're making too much money to care. No, yeah. I don't think yeah. they do care. They're that's greedy. Like, it's that, that's it, they, that they don't care. Only, you can only survive on that for so long, because people will stop. 
Like, I think people will eventually get tired of it, maybe some soon, more so and sooner than others, but eventually, like, this is a... This has no longevity behind it. Yeah, I guess just with, like, IPs like Star Wars, I think they can go for a long, long time. I just hope more people get angry about yeah, it. Yeah, me too, because I kind of feel like all this outrage, like, it's really good to see and I'm really happy about it. But I can't help feel like that at like somewhere in the head office of EA, this is something that was predicted months ago, and it's just like a little sad face sticker on this giant graph of profits, profits spiking. It's so public though. They have like now the most downvoted Reddit comment of all time. Like, and I guess maybe that means nothing to a CEO in a room. He's like, "What the fuck is Reddit?" Don't like you know. Like, I feel like that care. that is a really terrible thing to happen. The social media departments mm -hmm. I think the ex I think it is a footnote for the executives who will be taking home the money I guess they were voted like worst company 2015 and like they're still there they're still like people are still <laughs> buying their games like it doesn't matter ahead of matter. companies that have committed like war crimes <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah EA is weird and terrible Noctis is in Tekken 7 Mentioning a weird and terrible. Okay, so you're pissed about this. I'm not pissed. I'm just like, why? Yeah, like, I don't care. But I, why? So, it's it's been about a year since Final Fantasy 15 came out. It mm -hmm. Came out November last year, and they had some DLC bits. They kind of padded out a a chapter that didn't tell a story very well. I and, still intend to go back to that game. And I think they did a mobile game, but I don't know what, like, like they really, really, like, is probably inside Square Enix, Noctis was a big fucking deal to them. Oh, yeah, they're milking the he's, he's, Final he's Lightning now. game yeah. as much as they can. Like, they're going to rest on this for so long. It's so weird that Noctis is in Tekken 7. He's not a good character. No, and I... I don't think he's likable in any capacity. I don't think he has a personality. But he looks cool. People, he does look cool. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, he looks really cool, but like, but like, people are so pissed that Kiryu from Yakuza isn't it? Kiryu would be amazing, but also... He'd, just I, fit, he'd fit with the gang. He does, mm -hmm. but no one would give a shit. Like, no one outside the Yakuza hardcore would give a shit. But that fits so much more. Like, Noctis' old deal is like his, like, swords. But, they're, but now Final Fantasy fans are going to buy this to play as Noctis. And, like, I'm on board with it. Like, the two reveals up till now were, like, why? It was, like, Akuma and Geese Howard. That is the... Especially Geese, that's the coolest fucking shit ever. But yeah. they're fighting game dudes. That well, makes sense. I know. And, like, I love that. But I already own Tekken 7. It, that's why they're doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I just thought Akuma and Geese were cool, cool picks. I thought they were going down that route. I thought there was going to be a few other important fighting characters or... But Kiryu would have been... Oh, he would have been Can you imagine his grabs? His heat attacks? Yeah. Just him talking to Heihachi. That would just be funny. Yeah. I just like, how do you even write Noctis into that story? And I guess the Tekken 7 story... And then a portal the opened. That's how yeah. they always do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're my friends. <laughs> would you be my friend? And like, he has a sword and stuff. And I just... Tekken... Tekken's... It's a martial arts tournament, dammit. And I know Yoshimitsu has a sword, but he has like three moves where he uses it and they're all terrible. But you know how like there are a few pretty boys in Tekken, but they're There's loads kinda, of pretty boys. But you know how there's like a like really boy band pretty boys, but they're kinda of the lamest characters in Tekken. Like Warang? Yeah. And Jin? I don't I I I, I, kinda, I like Horang. He's yeah. just he's just pretty Vegeta. I kinda prefer the more unusual looking characters in Tekken or the bigger, grappler, angrier looking Lee's characters. Lee's pretty cool. 
You play. You, you know much Lee? No. Silverhead Lee? Yeah. He's he's basically James from Team Rocket. Okay. Yeah, he's James who knows karate. Yeah. I I I, I just don't know if like. Tekken needs more like boy band boys, or if it the, needs. No, that's a don't. good point. Yeah, totally, totally. And I don't think they would even be friends with Noctis. Like, I don't. I think they'd be like, no, nah. Okay, look, I know that to play fighting games, I need to suspend my disbelief a certain amount. Okay, I get that. I have to be okay with a giant ancient, ancient ogre coming back and entering a karate competition for some reason. I understand that. But if you want to tell me that fucking Noctis could go toe to toe with Heihachi. That stre- that stresses my ability to suspend my disbelief so far beyond breaking point, it's actually ridiculous. I feel like any Tekken character could murder the shit out of him if he didn't have a sword. I, I feel like we could beat up Noctis. Yeah, all three of us together could just kick the shit out of Noctis. Yeah, yeah just fucking bottle him. Take his wallet. You don't know what to do if you take his wallet. He has a wallet chain. <laughs> then fucking slap him with it. Yeah. Um, just take his shoes and throw them at him. <laughs> I see why they've made this move. I know why they're doing this. It's just, it's a little lame. I think, like, like especially when you look at Injustice and Injustice just got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. But they're but they're comic book characters. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. I know Noctis is a video game character, but... <sighs> is there much, like, crossover with people who play RPGs, like, about, like, pretty boys... And fighting games. And fighting games? I don't think there is, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, they just want more people to pick up Tekken. Cause yeah. yeah. Like, this This is going to sell Tekken 7, you know, in it, the later half of 2017. Yeah, because... What does Final Fantasy become? It, 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 yeah, because it, 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 it came out on console at the start of the summer, Tekken 7 did. Mm-hmm. And it did pretty well over the summer, but I don't know if it's still selling copies now. You know, I think a lot about what Final Fantasy has become and, like, trying to identify what the fuck happened. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when you go back a couple of games, those are characters with, like, motives and personalities and lives. And you look at them now and it's like, what the fuck are these things? What the fuck are these weird gelatinous JRPG monstrosities that are in my game. Cosplays. It's just like, it's just money making, like quick money making schemes, but trying to make a game out of it. Like I will never forgive them for like ep- all the DLC, Episode Prompto, Ignis, Gladius, that should have all been in the game, like from the start. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm not happy with Final Fantasy. No. <sighs> Emails. Brian, cheer us up with an email after yet another depressing news section. Okay. We should we should change it to depressing quick time events. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how we like bad news in Ireland. We do. Uh, this is from menstruation frustration. Oh dear. What? If a game development team designed new levels for a game of your choice forever, for example, a new Dark Souls DLC every month, what game would you choose and how long do you think it'd take for you to ultimately grow bored of it? Based on your Danganronpa talk, that sounds like a game that could like get cool side missions, like side court cases or like murder mysteries. That'd be cool. My, my only worry about that is that 
it might have to introduce new characters mm. and part of it is being familiar with the characters. Kind of yeah, part of it's like the, the cast getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Okay. I think if you introduce a new character, it'd be like, here's a wacky character, we're gonna fucking force it on you and you might not like the character. Then what about something like Fire Emblem where you have a full cast of characters and maybe you'll get like a side story of that character through DLC? That'd be cool. Yeah. But Fire Emblem, like, you, you know, have a boss. Like, people die and mm. you, other people come in, that could be cool. That'd be nice. I know, like, for me, when I thought of this, I just thought of like, okay, like the 2D Mario games, but maybe they just try different things or different ideas with levels mm. and they hand it over to young developers who might have an idea, but might not get a chance. Kind of like a, an accelerated, more constant version of what they tried to do with Mario Maker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe they push the formula with different, like really, really different abilities, and they really have an open mind to it. That'd be cool. Because uh, I know with Mario sequels, usually there's a more open mindness to the abilities. Um, and I think maybe the first few months of this DLC might be kind of very familiar, but there might be like, no, guys, hang on. The, the uh, one that came out in November, there's some weird stuff in this DLC. I think everyone should try this. That'd be cool. Um, my answer would be Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Uh, if something like a new character was in that, like even every year, because those characters make so long to make, I would play that game forever. I mean, I, I play that game forever anyway, because I love that game. Although now I think Xbox Live servers are going away and I have no way to play it online. Cool. Yeah. But I'll still play through arcade mode because I just, that's the best fighting game ever. Infinite DLC with that would mean that I will play it till the day I die, even though I will already. I'd like to like say something like near because I'd love to know more about that world and those characters. But I think the beauty of a game like that is that it ends, and I don't like even though DLC of all the other characters in the world and maybe what they were doing during different events would be awesome. It's the fact that it ends kind of is important. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't like it spoon-feeding you too much of the mystery either. Yeah, Because yeah. it, it, it does still leave a, a few things open-ended. So probably, like, even though I like narrative games, I'd probably like narrative DLC the least, and I'd probably like something more like a tactics, like Final Fantasy Tactics, or a Disgaea, because that has such good humor where you could bring in a really funny boss character. Yeah. For some side DLC, you'd get, like, a fun, like, new location for your grid-based combat, and, like, you don't have to worry about them destroying a, like, good, like, good narrative. It's a good narrative, but not something that it's it's something has to the side. Three yeah. act structure. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like tactical games, I think, would be best served by long running DLC. Mm, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. I think if it's pushing more something in the gameplay side of things rather than something that's contextual to lore or padding. Mm. Uh, I think that's way more interesting. It, it, it's more fun. Totally. And I'd have a longer like appreciation level for it. I would get sick of that less quickly. Yeah. Good. Okay, I got another one. Okay. This is from Albert and it is saving money for hobbies. So we have Hello Jonathan Brain and Evil Knieve Ill. That's pretty good. Who's I was gonna say his brain. <laughs> and then I was like it's, it's Brian. Yeah he just <laughs> he switched the A and the Y. And then Jonathan put that's not... Okay, sure. Sure. Albert again, and I'm back from Germany. Still love your podcast as it gifts me with the sensual pleasure. 
of having your soothing voices caress my eardrums after an exhausting day. Sometimes I worry about the amount of emails we get that are sexual. It's sensual. It's okay. That, is that not the same thing? No! No! What? No, sensual and sexual are totally different. Yeah. What's the difference? Oh my god. <laughs> What's the difference? You know when you get a massage? Yeah. Are you aroused or are you like... No, oh I'm not god. aroused. Okay, well then that's the difference. Sensual doesn't have to be sexual. If someone came up to me and was like, listen, we offer a range of sensual massages, I'd be like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> but it's nothing to do with arousal, it's just a comforting relief. I oh, okay, no, I don't know if that's the answer. Okay, I know, but I'm not doing. I'm not saying anything Neve, about Neve, arousal. No, okay, no, I want this sorted out now. Neve, what, what, what does sensual mean? I think it's open. Definition. Albert, what did you do? <laughs> like, I feel like sensual doesn't have to... Okay, of arousing to... gratification of the senses, physical, especially sexual, pleasure. No! I that's don't, just you, some person's definition. You, that's the fucking... No. No, uh, enjoyments derived from the senses, especially the gratification or indulgence of physical appetites, like eating or sex. So anything that's an indulgence... Sex came second, Neve. Okay. It could, it could yeah. be, but like... To me, it could be like a hot cup of co- or cho- hot, uh, hot chocolate. I yeah, don't want coffee. If, if us three were out for hot chocolate, and I was like, guys, I'm getting such a sensual sense from the Like, what would you be like? Would you be like, oh, it tastes good? Or you'd be like, oh, what the fuck? I'd be like, typical John. Okay. You know, you know, okay. For me, when I eat fried chicken and I'm really feeling it, I'm having, a, I'm having a great fucking time. Yeah, you are, but you didn't want to use the word sensual there because it would imply that the chicken is giving you a boner. It's not giving me a boner, but it does make me feel really cool. Because <laughs> it tastes really nice and it makes me feel happy. Yeah, but none... Yeah, okay, Brian, I get that it makes you and feel... And I drool good, a little bit But you're not the using chicken. the word sensual to describe any of that because it would sound fucking bizarre. It doesn't... Yeah. No, no, I love that chicken. <laughs> I love fried chicken. But you're not using it. You're choosing not to use it because you know deep down yeah, that's okay, weird. Yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, you're right. That's I am right. I am it. right. John was right once. <laughs> I don't know. I think we should get fried chicken. Look, no arguments. Let's but just I'm just... have a sensual fried chicken experience. Oh! <laughs> the, uh, um, I, I had a burrito yesterday. It meant a lot to me. Why is all your sensual experiences food? Food's really cool. <laughs> Then you won't eat for a day. Yeah, because I'm like <laughs> too sensual for me. Like, okay. Albert, thanks so much for that question. Moving. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's my question for you: Gaming is not a cheap hobby, especially with publishers stuck in the sixty-dollar price tag mentality while forcing microtransactions down our throats. Uh, has the cost of video games or any other of your hobbies ever been a problem for you? If so, have you ever dealt with it? Additionally, what are your opinions on how much gaming as a hobby costs? Personally, I don't believe there is such a thing as a cheap hobby, uh, and that if you don't, and that if you really love something, you'll find ways to pay for it. And then, confession time. <sighs> I don't actually play video games. Albert, turn off this podcast <laughs> right now. But this is bouncing back partially to the cost. Okay. Um. I used to collect Warhammer as a child, and the first financial deci- the first real financial decision I ever made in my entire life was, this shit is too expensive and I need to stop. Fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good choice. I think you just developed tricks and tips for buying video games. Yeah, like, I, I'm going to be trading in South Park Fractured Butthole, I've played it, and I'm going to get some money back and I'll put that money towards my next game. 
I feel like you're constantly that like for me I'll buy one or two 60 euro games a year but the other games I'm buying I'm flipping them and I'm and I'm never paying full price for them because I'm selling a game that I've already beaten or I'm trading it in or I'm waiting until there's a sale especially because we got the Black Friday sale coming up at the end of November uh, on the 1st of December and I know there's a few games that I'm going to be getting for Christmas but I'm going to be buying them then Ion in, in particular? Uh, I don't know yet okay. I'm kind of curious about Wolfenstein Yeah, that's actually on sale in Game UK now yeah. so like it's stuff like this is like I know in Ireland GameStop is the most expensive shop to buy games Yeah, but Smiths and Argos do really good deals, like at least ten to fifteen euro cheaper. They're selling, uh, yeah, like they're, they're, yeah, they they usually like thirty euro for a lot of brand new releases. They sold me Mario Odyssey for fifty five, which I thought was good. Yeah, that is that's really good. It was sixty, I think it was seventy euro in, in GameStop. Mm-hmm. So I think doing stuff like that. I used to do a thing, and they don't do it anymore. But Extra Vision was a rental. A place in Ireland where you would pay a tenner and you got a video game for a week and I knew I could finish a big game in a week so I would just do that consistently Neve's a hardcore gamer <laughs> I buy a lot of games <laughs> Yeah. Um, as well I find if you have a couple friends to play video games maybe one of you buys one game and only buys another game, you play them and you swap like I played Resident Evil 7 because Neve lent it to me Neve played Titanfall 2 because I lent it to her mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it goes both ways. It's like, yeah, I like to get physical copies of games that I know my friends won't play, but I would like them to play, because I think that's kind of the fun in it. Like, yeah. 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 Like, if I know my friends have more than likely no inclination to play it, I'll get it digital, or I'll trade it in. And there's some games I keep because I like, and then there's other ones that I'm like, this has a high trade in value now, and I've like finished it really quickly, and I can pick that up again for a tenner in a year's time on a sale. Sometimes I get annoyed because like, I'll get a game digitally that I won't be expecting to be good, cause I, mm-hmm. and then I'll love it, and I wish I could lend it to people, but I can't, like Yakuza 0. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, I wish I got that physical so I could lend it to people after I'm done with it. But, yeah. I also think like games have never been more expensive, but I think you also have a lot more options with games. And I think like as things like you know PSN and Steam kind of become more ingrained in the public consciousness, you will have a lot more options with games. And you, I think you will see the rise of the middle tier game again. Yeah. And like, um, especially like, Cuphead because, yeah. is one of the biggest games of the year. It's twenty bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think we're getting a couple of years into this generation now that. There will be more better price games. Um, I, for me, I don't like buying games at launch if I can avoid it. Yeah. I, I like waiting six months to play a game. I'm such a first day person. I, fi- I find once once I get once I listen to Giant Bomb talk about a game for forty minutes that I'm interested in, it's so hard for me to talk myself down. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But then there's games where like you have to know right right away how, how uh, is, is the game good or not like mm-hmm. with the new mario i have to play that right away yeah or just like also like knowing what keeps its value nintendo games will keep their value you can trade them in for a high price a lot of the time yeah. and you probably won't go on sale so yeah so you if you're gonna buy one just buy it just buy it trade it in if you don't want it but stuff like final fantasy 15 or assassin's creed or horizon they will all go on sale for 30 euro yeah like a few months after release yeah, I, I, I actually, I'll probably get Horizon in the sales. Oh yeah, because 
that game is going to, because it came out in what, March or April of yeah. this year, six months in, it's going to have a good, nice, like it, it'll have a very, very decent price. And people price. still talk about that game pretty fondly. Yeah. Uh, it had a DLC pack come out two weeks ago and it Frozen pretty, Wilds? Yeah. Yeah, like I'll probably pick that up during Black Friday sales as well. Yeah. I think it'll be a nice game at Christmas. Um, I have loads of like hobbies that are too expensive, but I always do them in bits. Like, uh, I like making Gundams, and I knew I had a bunch of money, and then I wouldn't, so I bought an airbrush. Then, because I was like, there'll be a time when I'll get more time to build these that I won't have the money to buy the shit I need. So I kind of prepare in advance for a future hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I collect figures as well, and I think figure collecting is one of the weirdest like hobbies because it's just it's just you're just in a constant state of oh will I buy this like I really want it but it's a lot and then you buy it and that feels really bad but then it comes and that feels really good yeah uh, I collect bootleg Game Boy games um, I have a huge collection of them I don't know why but. They cheer me up when I play them sometimes. Yeah, I collect I collect Sega Dreamcast games and PlayStation 2 survival horror games. For the most part, the PlayStation 2 one doesn't cost me too much, but I'm getting to the point where I have a lot of them now, and the only ones I don't have are like the the really expensive ones like uh, Red Rose or Rule of Rose. Rule of Rose, yeah. 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 I th- and I think what well, I think what he says is right. We do totally. It's it's like time. Money is like time. We we find ways to spend it on the things we actually want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's say we take one more, Brian. Okay. This one is from Topher, uh, and it's about lost progress. Uh, oh, he asks how how how's Neve? I'm good, thank you, Topher. Okay. I have another question for all three of you. Recently, me and some friends have started a largely improvised podcast. Not trying to jog your territory. You fuck it. You better not be Topher. You better not be. This is heavily scripted, so it's fine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Just yesterday, after recording an episode, my computer crashed. And since I'm a dummy, of course, I hadn't backed up anything. What do you do in this situation? Since all the best moments tend to be spontaneous... Do you try to recreate all of the conversations as last time, or just roll out new topics? Tofu, you're not a dummy. That happens to everyone. Yeah. Uh, we just go back to the top of the scripts. Just, you know, do warm up the vocals again and just start reading through again. Yeah. Um, I know that feeling about, like, not backing up stuff, and then you learn your lesson. Mm-hmm. You learn that lesson once, never do it again. Yep. I think I learn it, like, once a week with Photoshop or something. It's just like, oh, I can save and that crashed. <sighs> the biggest one for me was the One Piece video. Yeah, that, that was really awful. I, I felt so upset about that. Brian, tell that story from your perspective. Okay, um, this is coming back because I have a Macintosh computer. I've got an Apple Mac. And for whatever reason, I have a USB thumb drive that is locked and I want to reset my USB thumb drive because it's a really really good one because it has 32 gigs but I can't seem to do it using the hard drive disk doctor app that's in my Mac so I went over to John because he has a PC and I said could you erase my 32 gigabyte thumb drive and so he did but John was about I'd say he was working uh, a 14 hour day at that point editing his one piece video and 
he didn't delete my memory stick, but rather deleted the C drive off your computer. It was the, not the C drive, but like the E drive, which is my solid state drive, which I keep all my like editing files on. So he, so then he goes to show me like just like a minute or two of his video, and everything is offline. And I was just like, that's weird. And then he comes back out and he's like, oh no. And it's just, there's a lot of pacing and it it, it was so sad. <laughs> it was just, it was really upsetting. And you were just like, and you were hitting, like you were just dismissing yourself. I'm such a fucking idiot. I can't believe I did it that. It was one of the worst, like. What a fucking waste. I fucking deserve this. I don't deserve, this is not fair. Oh my god, just, this sounds awful. <laughs> it was, it was, it was just, it was the meanest thing John's ever done to himself. <laughs> That's not true. It's the meanest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I, I was so upset for you because I, I felt responsible. Cause no, I, it, it wasn't your fault at all. But it, that was definitely like... Because that wasn't just like a creative project I'd lost. That was like, oh my god. It's going to be a month before anything comes out on my YouTube channel again. And I'm not going to get paid this month. And that was just like the worst. Yeah. Thankfully... I was able to find a program that restored the entire hard drive nearly back to exactly the way it was. Because you had deleted it, but you hadn't, like, 100% wiped it. The way PCs like that work is they don't they don't delete data. They set the spaces of those data so it's like when something new is there to save over them, it'll just save over them. So if you don't do anything else in your PC, your old data is still there. It just hasn't been overwritten yet. And so it, I was able to get it all back. But fucking hell, that was the, that was just nightmarish. It's a really, really, really awful feeling. But the feeling of, I guess, saving yourself or coming out on top of it is even better. I wouldn't say to recreate the improvisation or go beat for beat like you had before. You'll no. never capture it again. No, and I think, I think doing that again will be a miserable experience. But you'll learn from it and you'll come up with something even funnier. Yeah, you'll have a failsafe maybe as well that you'll like, okay, I'm going to do these things so this will never happen again. But yeah, I don't think trying to recapture the magic is, is yeah, a good way. I think it happened to us once and we were like, fuck it, let's call it and let's just come back to it tomorrow. And we did and the following episode was so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, I think I think we all made the right decision there and then to just call it a night and we'd sleep on it and we came back the next day and we fought that boss. Yeah, because like you do feel disappointed. Like you're just like, man, like that. It really does suck. I'm sorry, Topher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are highs and lows in any kind of group situation like that, uh, and I think it's important to acknowledge those lows. Yeah, they do happen. And I think that means we're moving into e not emails. Loot drop. Loot drop. We beat the boss. What do we got? I'm really glad we called the section loot drop and not loot box. <laughs> yeah. We're cool. We are pretty cool. Uh, can I go with mine first? Go for it. Yeah, go uh, so for the past few episodes, I haven't had a loot drop and I've always had to be like, uh, I'll just like link something afterwards on the Twitter. This time, I got a fucking loot drop for you guys. Hit us. It's a YouTube channel called Defunct Land. And it is uh, a guy who researches and makes YouTube videos about uh, theme park rides from the 90s, or well, from the 80s, 90s, uh, early 2000s that no longer exist. That sounds fucking awesome. 
It's really, really good. Um, I love theme parks. I remember uh, in 1999, my family and I, we went to Florida and we went to Orlando. We, we did two weeks there. We went to Disney World. We went to Universal Studios. We went to SeaWorld. Uh, we, did, we didn't go to Busch Gardens, but it, there's loads of theme parks there. And a lot of the rides there were a huge deal. And I learned a lot about... Because I, I, I love movies and I love cartoons, but I never really realized that like theme parks were their own experience as well. And certain rides, it's this kind of crazy interactive play. And I'm not talking about the roller coaster rides, but the ones where they bring you into a room and they give you this story and you're part of this crazy experience. So one of the videos in particular I'm going to link to is a ride called the Extra Terror Restrial. And this is a ride that was in Disney World uh, in Orlando. And it is the fucking scariest thing I've ever been on. I was on this ride when I was 10 years old and it was horrifying. Um, you don't really associate scary rides with Disney World. No. Uh, but this was a ride that they had made um, for teenagers or for people who kind of rolled their eyes at a lot of the kiddie stuff in Disney World. But it's one where they bring you into a room and they teleport an alien to visit you. But the But it's this... Superior race of aliens that are the head of uh, a, a, a technology company that spans the galaxy. And one of them is going to arrive and he's going he's, he's gonna to shake hands with the audience. And you're in a circular room with a little teleportation. And tube. so is he filming these rides or? Uh, they're on screens. It's just, it's done super well. And the way the video was done, it, it kind of breaks it down for each stage. But... They teleport him, but he goes missing along the way, and it kind of goes into Cronenberg ter- territory, what? like the fly. But they're like, "I think we found it, found him. Uh, he's out in outer space. He still has a life sign, so we're going to teleport him." They teleport him in, but it's something else. Oh, that's so cool! And so the format of these YouTube videos, like, how how is he? T- like, is he? Uh, he gets archival footage, so. People would have shot this stuff on their video cameras in the 90s, so he gets that. He gets old promo videos, and it's cool because a lot of them have the motion graphics from the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, they're a real nostalgia trip. Um, it, I, I just love them. It just gives you a great feeling watching these videos. I, I, I'm going to go home and watch some of them like after this. He that talks that about, sounds amazing. He talks about the Back to the Future ride. talks about the Jaws ride in Orlando because they're both gone now. Um the E.T. ride is still there for whatever reason that ride fucking sucks um, yeah no like uh, it's 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 a fantastic channel and, that sounds but, deadly but then it turns out that there's a bunch of YouTubers that do uh, theme park rides but they're all friends with each other it's a really really interesting community because huh. sometimes they guest on each other's videos but there's but there is there's a nice friendly competition but they all support each other and this guy kind of has like an extra layer to him where it's called Defunct Land because he has this long-term goal. He's not sure how he's going to do it, but he thinks through the power of VR that he could maybe meet with some 3D modelers and they could recreate some of these rides oh my God. in a virtual theme park that you would wear with your Oculus that's called Defunct Land. And they're all in this environment, and you can re-experience the rides. That's cool. That's cool. And it, Disney would never let him. No, no, they'll never let him. And I'm sure it'll only look about as one percent as good as what it is in his mind. But he just has this dream, and like he, he like he is upfront. He's like, I don't know how we're gonna do this, but wouldn't this be amazing? And like it, it is. It's a cool idea to have. Totally. Yeah, but that's me. Okay. 
So I got two loot drops. One is Doki Doki Literature Club, that's completely free. And the other is an article by Gita Jackson, and it's called Why Black American Men Love Dragon Ball Z. Oh, I read this last night. Same here. Yeah, it was a really uh, good article. Really, really good article. I thought super interesting. Bunch of, like I like Dragon Ball Z a lot. I always think, you know, there is something to that show beyond just like stupid action. And I think this this article kind of, you know, it, t- it touches on that for a specific group of people. And I, I just really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. Do you remember like 10 years ago in college, I was like, I really like Dragon Ball Z, but I love black dudes that love Dragon Ball Z. And there was just, there's 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 a famous video of a guy doing a Saiyan charge up that we used to watch to get like psyched. Yeah. Man, we should probably link that video. Yeah. Oh man. Like, I, I, I just love really, really cool fan communities like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, this article I thought was like really... It was just interesting and just kind of put some spins on that stuff that I'd never considered, but that really made sense to me. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Neve, what do you got? I got a boring technical video, but it's actually kind of cool. Uh, For any Photoshop users out there, it's a tutorial where you can just do a painting in black and white and use the 3D mode to make a 3D... Like, it pulls everything out to make, like, a landscape... Really? So all your darks are low points and all your whites are high points. Oh, no way. And then you can use that as a base for matte painting. So if you're into like 3D environment art, it's just like this tutorial that takes like five minutes that's in like Photoshop CC that I was like, huh, that's such a cool way of getting a base for an environment. And I really thought thought it was cool to share with people if you want some Photoshop tutorials. That sounds good. Wow. I'll throw on a K-pop song because that was really boring. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get content ID. I still think again. the K-pop are very boring. No, I won't put a K-pop song in the video. We got content ID last time video. That 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 song was from the anime you were talking about, like the Zodiac one, not the, not K-pop. Well, this time we'll the, pick a song. I watched the most recent episode of the Zodiac anime. The quality of that show went through the fucking floor. Oh. It is insane. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd say roof and I'd be like, oh, cool. Brian, it. there was a scene where there was a camera move and a character's legs were floating off the background because no one had tracked it, right? <laughs> because they were and not to the ground the, plane. One of the best things about watching the show earlier was because the animation was so tight. But the last episode I watched looked like hot garbage. It was so bad. And what's, and what's the, name of, the name of the anime that we like about the old man who's a robot? Inuyasha. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. But yeah, I, I I can never... I, I just call it Inuyasha, but it's not Inuyasha. No. It, it just shows up as the first search result. Uh, I think we're five episodes, maybe six episodes now. That show is fucking brilliant. Man, episode four. <laughs> Holy shit. If, episode four, you can watch it completely out of context with the rest of the show. It's incredible. Yeah, that dude's going to show you heaven. He's going to show you heaven. <laughs> um... I was rereading the manga, and they're covering about five or six chapters in an episode. That's insane. I love when anime uh, handles the source material well and does pacing properly. Yeah, because after that last episode of Inuyashiki, I was like, I need to take a break from this series, because yeah. now I'm exhausted. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. Super Junior have a new album. There we go. That's my last loop drop. I don't. <laughs> and you make fun of us for liking Weezer. Yeah. I don't like Magus Bride because I, I, I think an old man marrying a little girl is really gross. 
It really is. Goodbye, everybody. 